Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It is Wednesday, September 18th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson returns. We welcome back host of the Fight Podcast, Sergio Vicente, and Chicago Sun-Times obit writer, Maureen O'Donnell. And now your host, the man who may be getting a headlock from Sergio Vicente. <laughs> That's all. We'll see how it goes. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, yes, indeed. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Reefer Reefer Everywhere Wednesday. And here's why. Before I get into Reefer, let me just say this. I forgot my newspapers today, D. Oh, boy. Oh, no. As I have to tell yeah, One job. <laughs> one job. Bring the newspaper. Bring the, three of them delivered every day to my door. And I got up early today, D. Oh. Maybe that's why I forgot them. What time? What, 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 what are we saying uh, early here? What's, 8.30. Oh, wow. Okay. That is, yeah, that's for, you know. For Jarofsky, that's early. At the crack of dawn, okay? There were like birds chirping. So I got up. I got my newspapers out. I read them. I dutifully circled everything. And then, you know, it's like one thing led to another. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm like, do I have my sunglasses? Yes. Do I have my pen? Yes. Do I have my that little thing around your neck? Yes. You know, the... the you gotta get into the building. What's it called? Badge. A, a badge. Yes. I got all that stuff, and I'm on the car driving in here, and I'm talking to Monroe on the phone. Monroe Anderson every Wednesday in the Ben Jarofsky show. We're talking about Kari Lewandowski and how we're going to talk about him. And, and I said, Yeah, I read about that in the New York Times. And I realized I'd forgotten my newspapers at home. But you know, so deep. Whenever that happens, that's all of a sudden I'm worried. It's just the first step towards senility. Am I heading down down Joe Biden's path? Oh okay. boy! Oh, I hope not. I don't want to work with that guy. You know what? Joe Biden could could get the nomination and defeat Donald John Trump, and he could be babbling like crazy, like a lunatic, and people are still going to vote for him because they like him. D. The first key to success in politics is likability. Anyway, so am I heading down that path? What do I do with that? I test myself. So in this case, I tested myself by going, let's go back in time and count back aldermen of the 47th Ward. How about that for a challenge, D? Who's the current alderman of the 47th Ward? Do you know? I was a Maya Pilar. I don't know who. I don't know who now Very it is. Impressive. I, can't, I can't think of the name now. It was a guest on this show, Matt Martin. Oh my God, it is Matt Martin. Sorry, Matt Martin. Matt Martin, Maya Pilar, Eugene Schulter, John uh, Holen, and then the guy before John Holen. That's pretty impressive. Good God, you're a dork. <laughs> John Holland, I think, was elected in 55, so you can excuse me if I don't know who was the alderman before, 50, for, before 1955. Anyway, I was relieved that my memory is not completely fading, that I'm not heading down the, the path of senility. Like Donald John Trump, by the way, I think he really is in the early stages, or maybe even the middle stages. Anyway, 
I got to the Sun-Times, and here's the good news, D. I work at a newspaper. And so guess what they have at a newspaper office? Newspapers. That's what we call bennies. Yeah. Benefits. Benefits. One of, just one of the many benefits. I picked up a copy of the Sun-Times, which I had left at uh, my uh, my home. It's, I know where it is, in the kitchen table. And I circled everything like sh- I had circled before. And the got show to- prep gods are so mad right now. <laughs> and now I'm going to get down to business what I want to talk about. Okay? I want to talk about the insane ad attitude the city of Chicago has toward reefer and it's reefer madness all over again and you know folks this is one of my favorite themes uh first of all I I always felt that the wrong reason for legalizing marijuana was to bring in the money because I always felt that they were going to exaggerate the money they were going to bring in uh and we should not be dependent on that money anyway we should have more progressive forms of taxation but that being said that would be sort of a benefit to it the, for me the real reason to legalize marijuana was because the laws were so unfairly enforced that black people got punished for something that white people did every day and the other reason for it is that it just exposed this hypocrisy on the part of our country where we acted like we were really scared of marijuana it was this, this alien 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 thing that we didn't really understand and that other people did not us even though most of us have smoked it or are smoking it or got high just last weekend so there's this little phoniness that goes last on last weekend <laughs> Sorry, last night. How about last night? This phoniness that goes on that really irritates me to no end. And it's still alive. And that gets me to what I want to talk about. The article in today's Sun-Times, excellent article by Franz Spielman. Uh, Lightfoot's marijuana not, uh, not spots, apparently they're blocking off the downtown area from recreational marijuana. Did you see this, D? Uh, they're having exclusion zones. The exclusion zone would stretch from Oak Street to Ida B. Wells Drive and from Lake Michigan to LaSalle Street and River North and to Chicago River in the Loop. So the loop itself is off limits. And uh, it the explanation from... One of uh, Lori Lightfoot's advisors, it's about density and the high density of tourists, especially, and the concern we've heard from certain aspects of the business community and the public safety community. What what are they trying to protect tourists from? I I don't get it. A good time? (laughs) Guys, if tourists are the ones you want to buy the marijuana because they're not from Chicago. So that's taxes coming in from outside of our state, our city. You know what I'm saying? You're not taxing the locals. So why would you want to exempt tourists from buying marijuana? And it's this fear, D. I think this unstated fear that somehow or other they'll think we're really weird because we we have legal... Marijuana's legal in how many states and cities? And you go to California, man. Anywhere they're selling marijuana. I mean, it's just like Chicago, we're so provincial sometimes. It's like it's 1950, permanently 1950 in the city of Chicago. Uh, we don't want to scare and alienate tourists from Indiana who might be freaked out by seeing marijuana downtown. You know what? Someday, folks, I'm going to make a prediction. Even in the city of Chicago, even in the city of Chicago, someday, D, marijuana will be available in packs. Just like cigarettes are in any store in the corner. Any like can't you go to pretty much fingers any fingers crossed, pal. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Well, I'm not, you know, I don't like uh, uh cigarettes, but they're at every freaking 7-Eleven I've ever seen. They're right behind it. You know, there is every concern. Oh, tourists from Michigan will see the cigarettes and wonder what kind of bizarre city Chicago is. Come on, Chicago. The year is 2019. Stop acting like we're locked in to 1951.
We got a great show today, everybody. I got my newspaper. I'm very happy. Nice. nice. All right. Okay. I got my newspaper. Uh, Monroe Anderson will be here. It's Monday. We're all ready to talk Corey Lewandowski. Uh, Corey Lewandowski, of course, is the former uh, campaign aide to Donald Trump, and he was testifying yesterday in uh, in Congress while we were on the show here, Dean. It was like a moment from the past. Talk about going back to the 80s. It reminded me of Oliver, Oliver North's testimony uh, in the 80s to uh, the Iran-Contra hearings in the Senate, where uh, Corey was trying to be defiant and really just, you know, uh, turn the uh, counterattack on Democrats. That's what, how Republicans are going to play this uh, politically, the, the Russian investigation. Anyway, uh, he got taken down by a uh, Democratic lawyer. So we'll be talking about that with the great Monroe Anderson. We'll be talking Trump, 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 and all things Trump. Uh, Sergio Vicente will be in here, and I love bringing Sergio in. Sergio, of course, is a uh, former boxer. His expertise is mixed martial arts. He's going to be the next Joe Rogan. Don't make him mad. <laughs> <laughs> you, how many of our listeners know who Joe Rogan is? Do you, you know? Probably a lot. A lot podcasting. Of podcasting, yeah. They, might, they should know who Joe Rogan is. Anyway, I believe he'll be the next uh, Joe Rogan. And the thing I love talking about Sergio, Sergio is uh, well-versed in the art of trash-talking. And Donald Trump is so good at trash-talking Democrats. They're so afraid. There's so many Democrats I know go around saying, oh, Donald Trump's going to win. We can't possibly. I think I'm the only guy. Well, me and Monroe. We're the only two people who predict uh, the Democrats are going to beat Donald Donald Trump. Everybody else is so scared. And you guys have been intimidated by Donald Trump's trash talking. I love talking about this with Sergio. So we'll talk a little trash talking with Sergio. And then Maureen O'Donnell will be here. Maureen O'Donnell, of course, is a great obituary writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. She wrote an absolutely fantastic obituary about Pedro Bell. And I just want to take a moment uh, to show some appreciation for Maureen O'Donnell and Pedro Bell. Talk about that later uh, in the show. And of course, if Maureen O'Donnell's in here, I may talk a movie or two with her. So anyway, plenty of talk. National talk local political talk movies obituaries everything under the sun holy cow but before we do any of that the doctor with the news how's it going everybody i'm dennis ben great intro thank you quit acting like it's 1951 chicago yeah really come on guys by the way 1951 ben was uh 30 years old that's right do the math do the math he's 90 Wait a minute. More I, than 90. No, more than... Oh, I can see you're ace at Alton High. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me do the math. So, 1951. That means I was born in 1921. That means I am 98 years old. Yeah, buddy. All right. So, you can excuse me at age 98 for having forgotten my newspaper. Hey, you know, it happens to the best of By the way, what was that great joke you had the other day? I got to give... The doctor had a great joke okay we were on the phone having a conversation as we do all the time and uh we were i talked about how uh who is it that uh somebody made a reference uh on the show uh to black twitter and i said that i don't follow any twitter black twitter white twitter green twitter purple twitter the only twitter i follow is old twitter (laughs) to which dennis said yeah that's a newspaper (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. Anyway. Hey, thanks. Yeah, Catch me at Zany's yeah. this weekend I'll with that gonna, Twitter joke. Yeah, I'll use that in the upcoming re- reader column and not give you any credit. Oh, I'm used to that. All right, we begin with what's going on in Illinois and or Chicago. Today on Mayor Lori Lightfoot's schedule, Ooh. presiding over today's city council meeting. And that was at 10 a.m. The meeting's over. Now, we don't know all the details, but thanks to Ben's beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman, we have learned that the city council has approved Mayor Lori Lightfoot's plan to cut Chicago scoff laws some slack by reducing fines, expanding payment 
payments plans and stopping driver's license suspensions for non-moving violations. Despite the $15 million cost, the unanimous vote without a word of debate allowed Lightfoot to begin to deliver on a pivotal campaign promise. I have a quote from Mayor Lightfoot, but Ben, what are your thoughts on that? Here, here. You know, Lori Lightfoot's list, uh, fans are a little upset with me because I've written a few critical columns about her and I've been uh, very critical of her position on the Lincoln Yards TIF deal. So let me take this moment to give a shout out to Lori Lightfoot for delivering on this promise. It's $15 million, did you say? Yep. Okay, $15 million is a drop in the bucket. You can make that up by, hey, taxing the sale of marijuana if you sell it down to, oh, wait, I was supposed to say nice things about Lori Lightfoot. There you go again. Uh, <laughs> me and my big mouth. We can't we, take you anywhere, Jarofsky. I get in trouble wherever I go. Uh, but anyway, no, On in all seriousness, uh, hats off to you, Lori Lightfoot, for uh, doing that. You promised you would do it. It's, it was an absurd situation where Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daley were trying to squeeze some nickels out of the people who could at least afford to, to pay them. But with uh, all the red light cameras and just all the enforcement. Remember, we had Troy LaRavier on the show talking about how they were t bis ticking bicyclists in West Side neighborhoods at a far greater rate than they were ticketing bike riders in Lincoln Park. Yeah, they were they were going after the people who could at least afford to pay the bills. It's not a very efficient way to run a government. It's not a very compassionate way to treat your citizens. So kudos to you, Lori Lightfoot. Here's the quote from the mayor after the vote. Quote, this is a very important day for our residents. It's the first in a series of steps we'll be taking to give people relief from the burden of fines and fees. We are working hard to make sure that we relieve that burden. We give people their cars back and we give them an opportunity to participate in the economy. The mayor noted that Cook County has the highest number of Chapter 13 bankruptcy filings in the country and a huge percentage of those filings stem from debt owed to the city. And yeah, that's a story. Yep. I like I said, it's about time. It was ridiculous. And remember, remember, Mayor Rahm uh, would was caught having his motorcade drive through uh, red lights. Remember that, D? That was an embarrassing moment. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that one. So meanwhile, he's squeezing any nickel and dime and quarter and dollar he can get some out of some poor guy in the West Side uh, who goes through uh, gets caught uh, in a red light camera infraction, but boom up. He, it's okay for him to fly right through him in the mayoral motorcade. What a what a mayor that was, Chicago. Great job uh, in those last two elections. Okay, moving on. Let's talk some state news here. Third congressional candidate, Marie Newman. Your election rematch against Dino Dan Lipinski <laughs> is getting very interesting. That's correct. <laughs> D did you come up with do other people call him dino dad uh, i think it's just me uh, that's pretty clever on tuesday newman got the endorsement of hands down the most popular u.s representative in the country new york rep president trump foe and member of the squad alexandria ocasio cortez ben what were your thoughts on that well, again I don't know if, I, you know, it's interesting you said hands down most popular. Among our crowd, she's the most popular. Oh, yeah, she's, yeah, and the right wing likes, uh, you know. She's popular to the right wing just because they can bash her. Uh, so she's definitely one, probably, perhaps the best known, which is interesting. She's uh, a rookie. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, we, did we talk about that? Yes, I can't remember. I, uh, I can't remember anything. Our host, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we talked about that yesterday. yesterday. By the way, did I tell you I lost my newspaper? Uh, How's that dryer doing? Where? <laughs> Dryer's working, by the way. Awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I thought, uh, I, I think it's good for her. I said that yesterday. I think it's good. I think the district's a lot more liberal than people uh, give her credit for. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, it, it, 
it's going to open her up, and I, I have a funny feeling, I know where you're going to go with this, but it's going to open her up to uh, potential abuse from Mr. Dino Dan Lipinski, that's for sure. Ben, believe it or not, since that announcement, donations for the Marine Newman campaign have went up, and the endorsement has drawn national attention, mainly because it was Ocasio-Cortez's first time backing a House primary challenger mm-hmm. against a Democratic incumbent. But it's now time for my favorite part of any third congressional election update on this program. Dino Dan has responded. Mm, I'd see that's I was I had a feeling you were going in this direction. Dan Lipinski issued a statement mocking the squad and calling Newman, quote, an extreme candidate who is completely out of step with third district voters who do not want to be represented by a, quote, fifth member of the squad. Yeah. He then labeled the squad as, quote, obstructionist and the Tea Party of the left. Ben, do you agree with that statement? Is Marie Newman now the fifth member of the squad and is the aforementioned squad the Tea Party of the left? No, Marie Newman is far different from the other members of the squad, far less, uh, I don't know, uh, progressive. I don't know what word you want to say, radical, progressive. Uh, she's much more moderate than most of her views, uh, then it's definitely in foreign policy issues than the other members of the squad. And listen, this has become a convenient target for the right, for the Republicans. Uh, they're going to make every member of the Democratic Party a member of the squad. So Dan Lipinski's tactics against Marie Newman are just get ready for him, folks. It's uh, it's what you're going to hear a lot of uh, in uh, the coming 2020 presidential election year. My God, they're going to turn Joe Biden into a member of the squad before all and say everyone in the Democratic Party will be a member of the squad. So Dan Lipinski is just using uh, Donald Trump rhetoric, which is very bizarre. Donald Trump rhetoric in the 3rd in the Congressional District. And I believe the 3rd Congressional District is more liberal than uh, Dan Lipinski. And I think that that rhetoric is not going to play well. Um, and uh, I, I remember the 3rd Congressional District went for Barry, uh, uh, Barry, Barry Sanders. Good God. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and so my... My feeling is that this uh, tactic will hurt uh, Dan Lipinski. I absolutely think it will hurt Dan Lipinski. But what will help Dan Lipinski is the fact that his family uh, uh, is one of the most powerful political machines uh, in uh, the city of Chicago. The Lipinski family goes back many years. William Lipinski and his Democratic political organization is one time was they rivaled Michael Madigan's organization on the southwest side of Chicago. And that ultimately is uh, what this election will hinge on. So- Turnout. So Dan Lipinski calling Marie Newman an extreme candidate, completely out of step with the voters and a fifth member of the squad. All right, so we don't do this often, but because the following statement that we are about to read from Dan Lipinski is so priceless, Ben Jarofsky, we're going to give an award to this man. How about that, huh? Oh, what award will we give him? Well, let's hear it for our winner of Walk Back of the Year. Come on, Walk Back of the Year okay. from Dan Lipinski. <laughs> Thanks for back. clapping. Yeah. Right after trashing Newman. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Life's hard without a studio audience, all right? Okay, please stop with the 50s doo-wop claps. All right, right after trashing Newman with his statement and gaslighting anyone who read it, Lipinski said, quote, remember after he said all that, quote, I think it's always a bad idea for Democrats to go after Democrats. No, it's okay. Yeah, after he trashed her, yeah. Especially, yeah. the quote continues, especially incumbent members of Congress. Mm-hmm. Translation, especially me, Dino yeah. Dan Lipinski. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing, Newman? Congratulations, Dan Lipinski. 
Your frozen steaks are in the mail. Yeah. Uh, by the way, let me just say this. When you asked me about the tea party, uh, the squad is not the tea party. The tea party, first of all, is far is far vaster. The tea party is the entire Republican Party right now. So uh, it, it is funny that they're going to try to turn the squad into the Democratic Party because I could tell you this. People who love the squad are so upset at the Democratic Party because they think it's too moderate, too centrist. So the Democrats have the worst of all worlds. They're really trying to hold together a... a a very a diverse coalition. And how does Dan Lipinski fit into that coalition? Um, you know, he's uh, far to the right on issues of choice and uh, immigration and gay rights. And those are driving forces in the Democratic Party right now. I don't know how uh, the Democratic Party can tolerate somebody uh, who is so... Uh, opposed to reproductive rights in this day and age, D. You know, I know in the old days they used to talk about having the big tent, uh, but this is such an important issue to uh, Democrats, particularly Democratic women, that I just don't know how the, the Democratic Party can embrace someone like Lipinski, who's such an extremist on that issue. So I... It's uh, it's it's understandable that Ocasio-Cortez would uh, uh, endorse Marie Newman. You notice Nancy, Pel- Nancy Pelosi stayed out of this so far, hasn't she? So far. Last time she endorsed Lipinski. Lipinski. She, she protects her caucus members. That's her traditional uh, attitude of the speaker, the leader of the party. Michael Madigan does the same thing in the state of Illinois. You protect your caucus members. And as long as Dan Lipinski is a sitting member of Cong- Congress, uh, she has to look out for him. Now, if you recall, Dan Lipinski. Pinsky was part of that group that was sort of talking about challenging uh, Nancy Pelosi. So I know she probably has no love uh, for Dan Lipinski, uh, and uh, he was a greater threat to her than uh, any member of the squad, that's for, sh- for certain. Uh, but um, she has not uh, stepped out and actually endorsed Marie Newman. Lipinski closed out his interview with Politico by calling his primary challenge. And I guess coming from him, it makes sense. I mean, any incumbent would uh, call someone running against them unfortunate. He said, unfortunate. It's unfortunate that I have a, uh, an opponent running in the race here. And here comes the entire Lipinski campaign strategy against Newman in one statement. Quote, we should all be pulling together against President Trump right now. It's bad when we're fighting each other and pulling in different directions. Well, I agree with him on that point. Uh, but, you know, to uh, what, what did Julian Castro say in the debate? This is a primary and in a primary, the gloves are off uh, and the Democratic Party is uh, trying to, uh, I don't know, have a brand, if you will. Uh, and maybe Dan Lipinski doesn't fit into that brand. And it's up to the voters of the third to decide once it's over, then uh, I would expect both what Marie Newman to endorse Dan Lipinski over last time Dan Lipinski was running against a Nazi. So I'm, Oh my God, I yeah, forgot all about yeah, that. Remember that. Holy cow. Yeah. So I would hope that Marie Newman would endorse Dan Lipinski, uh, in, in the, the, the general election. And here's the real challenge. If Marie Newman beats him, will Dan Lipinski endorse Marie Newman or will he bolt from the democratic party? Like so many other Democrats in the South, Remember, they just couldn't take any more. They became Republicans. So it'll be interesting to see which direction Dan Lipinski will go uh, in um, uh, after if he loses to Marie Newman. All this talk about banding together to uh, fight Donald Trump sounds good when you want to convince voters that you're still a Democrat. But what happens if you lose? Are you going to stay loyal to the Democratic Party? Or are you going to run over to the Republicans? We'll have to see. Well, let's hope Lipinski doesn't 
run over to the Republican Party. <laughs> it's so funny, man, because Dan Lipinski, the Lipinskis have been fighting so many Republicans uh, and so many independents for so many years on the southwest side of Chicago. And uh, now he's been cornered. And if, if he... I'll tell you what, I always said that Danny Solis has more lives than a cat, but if Lipinski pulls this one off, all, former Alderman Danny Solis, finally caught up to him, by the way, but if if Lipinski pulls this off, he's rivaling uh, Danny Solis because, I, like I said, the, the third congressional win for Bernie Sanders last time around, it's pretty liberal. Uh, it's definitely not Trump country. Uh, I think I can't, Trump get 40% of the vote in that district uh, against Hillary Clinton, so... Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if Lipinski can get reelected. Apparently, two more Democrats are vying for the third congressional seat. Democrats who, in fact, did not get endorsements from both Elizabeth Warren and AOC. Uh, Rush Darwish, a businessman who served on Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's transition team on transportation and infrastructure and progressive attorney Abe Matthew. And hey, who knew Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had her thumb on the pulse of Illinois politics? <laughs> Not only did she recently endorse uh, Newman, she also weighed in on Twitter last week, giving our former Chicago mayor, Rahm Emanuel, the complete opposite of an endorsement. An endorsement, if you will, I guess you can call it. Now, uh, I made the executive decision to purposely not talk about this story on yesterday's show, because quite frankly, last week, very former Mayor Rahm Emanuel Heavy was our program. Way to go us. We damn near went the whole day yesterday without mentioning him. I say damn near because our host, Ben Jarofsky, I'm sure he snuck a few Rahm jabs in there. <laughs> I can't remember I what I did that. yesterday. Yeah. 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 I know you don't remember what we did yesterday. <laughs> well, what do we do? Hey. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think we did any Rahm uh, references yesterday. We didn't play that clip, did we? We may play that clip today. I love that clip. The All clip right. where Rahm is uh, telling Democrats uh, not to go hard on issues that Democrats uh, would fire up their base. We don't need to fire up our base. Oh, great political advice. So Rahm. yesterday we did a good job not talking about Rahm and now let's break that stupid streak and talk about it. <laughs> U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took aim at former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel on Twitter Friday for his commentary following the latest Democratic presidential debate. This is not the first time, though, that Ocasio-Cortez has done this. Back in June, after Mayor Rahm announced that he's leaving politics to join a Wall Street investment bank and before he bikes across... Wait. Ron, where did you bike? I just biked around Lake Michigan. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how many miles was it? <laughs> Nearly a thousand miles. Ah, okay. Thank you. Forgot there for a second. Uh, I forgot how many miles it was. Man, a thousand. <laughs> okay. It was a, that's a long trip. Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> took to Twitter, posting the story and adding, and adding that all, not all Democrats are the same. Well, after this debate performance, to say Ocasio-Cortez doubled down may win understatement of the year. Here's the tweet from AOC, quote, to clarify, Rahm Emanuel once mailed the body of a dead decomposing fish to bully a Demi disliked. Ocasio-Cortez wrote in the tweet, then as a mayor of Chicago, he worked to hide footage of the murder of Laquan McDonald from the public. Now he's an investment banker and on TV. And all this seems normal. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, Rahm Emanuel, what I think she's alluding to in uh, after the debate was very critical of Castro for being mean to Joe Biden. And I think everybody in the city of Chicago follows politics had had a laugh at that one because uh, no one has a, a reputation for being meaner than Rahm Emanuel. 
F-bomb drop-in, going to tell you like it is, point his finger in your face. You're going to do it my way or you're going to leave. Uh, that's Rahm Emanuel. That's his reputation. He's proud of that reputation. Uh, it's It gets him a lot of notoriety. It's in part why he's such a, a well-known celebrity and why he's on all these TV shows and uh, guests of, uh, of, of like um, Letterman, etc. And um, so... Uh, for years he's been like a national celebrity by virtue of the fact that he's so nasty and suddenly he's worried about how it plays uh, when he's uh, against the candidate he obviously uh, endorses joe biden so i think uh, aoc was having a little fun at rom's expense so now comes the rom question oh wait mayor rom wants to weigh in here take a chill pill man oh, oh sorry man yeah take a yeah, chill pill dude hold on oh mm. there you go took that chill pill. Uh, feels good all right now for the mayor rom question because it seems as though a lot of the, I wouldn't say all of them, a lot of our 2020 uh, Democratic presidential candidates kind of follow how AOC, you know, wherever she's thinking, the Democratic candidates kind of go there. So is it now okay to just bash Mayor Rahm Emanuel now for our Democratic candidates? If you ask me, yes. I, uh, I've been doing it for years. Uh, of course, yeah, I'm not uh, running for president of the United States. Uh, listen, I, I think that Rahm is one of the most disliked uh, symbols of the centrist wing of the Democratic Party. Far more disliked, let's say, than uh, Joe Biden. And uh, you saw this with Cory Booker. I don't know if it was a joke or not. We talked about this last week. Remember, D, when Cory Booker wouldn't hug him mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the, in the post debate gathering in the ABC studio? I, I don't know if he was joking or I don't know if he was serious. Uh, he just didn't want a picture of him hugging Mayor Rahm. Uh, so, you know, Mayor Rahm, uh, by virtue of his reign over the last eight years in the city of Chicago, has become a symbolic of Democrats who move far, too far to the right. Uh, for the progressive base of the party. And he's got a very dismissive attitude about the progressive base. This is actually the subject of a column I wrote uh, this week in The Reader where I'm urging Democrats not to follow his advice. Now, once again, the primary is over and the Democrats have a candidate, you would think that all people can get together and rally behind that candidate. But I don't know. All the nasty things that people are saying about Rom and the, the nasty things that Rom says about for years and years have been saying about progressives, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to make up these. So, uh, yeah, so I can see why everybody's sort of like either distancing themselves from Rom or bashing him. So there you are. A little bit of news of what's going on locally. Very Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez heavy there. She's making the local news. Like I said, who knew she had a, a thumb on the pulse of Illinois politics? But hey, everybody, we're having a Lori Lightfoot caption contest, by the way. If you haven't heard the news, uh, we reached 2,000 likes on our Facebook page. And to celebrate, yes, we're having a caption contest. It's a Lori Lightfoot caption contest. Head over to the Facebook page as soon as possible and leave us your caption if you've yet to. We're going to announce our top three captions at the end of today's program the pictures posted on top of the page it's one of Lori lightfoot fresh off of her mayoral victory during her trip to our nation's capital and her visit with no not the president the president's daughter for some reason <laughs> quite a few of you have already left your captions we're going to be reading them throughout the day as well like i said go head to the facebook page at benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show j-o-r-a v as in victory s-k-y and don't go anywhere because coming up after this short little break we're going to talk with legendary chicago journalist monroe anderson we're going to be talking trump 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 and what else ben trump so stick around it's the ben Drosky show live from the chicago sun times Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. 
culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for, um, like if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And, uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you, um, even wider. October 12th to the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Monroe Anderson in the studio every every Wednesday, Monroe Wednesday. Uh, you speak called Monroe Monday. Now it's Monroe Wednesday or something midweek Monroe or whatever we it's call Monroe it. It's Monroe midweek. Oh, yeah. You think I would know that. Right. Uh, but I forgot my newspapers today, so I'm, I'm a little lost. All right, Monroe. Lots of things to talk about. Uh, lots of Trump stuff, Trump-related things to talk about. I think I'm going to put the at the top of the list Corey Lewandowski's appearance yesterday at the House. Uh, and um, we talked about this briefly, you and I, on the phone today, but when I was coming in, uh, I hadn't had the opportunity to hear it because we were all, all on the air live yesterday when that was going down, and I've subsequently listened to it and read about it. And this was one of those moments uh, where you could see each party 
showing sort of their hand that they were going to play uh, in the, the uh, Russian investigation. And in terms of the Republicans, what well, Corey Lewandowski, again, was a key campaign aide to Donald Trump, particularly in the early days before yes. he had a lead, yeah. he got in trouble. And his enforcer. He was his enforcer. He was his tough guy. Right. And uh, now he's running for senator from New Hampshire. Right. They are just going to counterpunch. They're going to be defiant. They're going to turn the tables on the Democrats. They're going to say... Right, which is why the Democrats have to get tougher and smarter. They're not doing a good job. Well, explain that. They they should have been better prepared for Lewandowski. They They were completely caught off guard. You know, it's like, oh my God, they're back shooting again. Because <laughs> he comes in and he's stalling and he's stonewalling. You know, he, um, they ask him, um, well, he had the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. And, and they were asking him about things in the Mueller report. And he would say, um, wh- where is that? What, 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 what page is that? I don't have it in front of me. Were you, were you watching it live? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. And and he was driving them nuts yeah. because he was just stonewalling. Then, then when when they asked him a question that he should have answered, he repeated this letter that Trump had given him that said he couldn't testify about anything that he had t- talked to Trump about. Yeah, he's not on the staff. He doesn't get executive pr- privilege. But Trump's position, Trump and his lawyers, are taking the position that if you talk to Trump about anything. Then that's executive privilege. Uh, well, okay. What would you have them do when he's still? We have we have a, a clip that we can play uh, when, whenever. Are you ready for that, D? We're going to play a little clip here of Lewandowski at uh, his stonewalling peak. This is from we picked it up from the New York Times. Uh, Corey Lewandowski stonewalling Democrats in Congress. Go ahead, D. have it available to me i don't think i need to do that and i have limited time yes or no read the screen you're welcome to read it congresswoman uh you're welcome to be stalling can you read what you wrote down i'm happy to have you read it congressman are you ashamed of the words that you wrote down president swalwell i'm very happy of what i've written but you're welcome to read it if you'd like I can't discuss a private conversation. I can't speak to private conversation. I couldn't disclose a private conversation. White House has directed not to disclose the substance of any discussions with the president or his advisors to protect executive branch confidentiality. Okay. Yeah, and the confidentiality is a president is a crook. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's uh, uh, some projected on the uh, uh, some bits of uh, Corey Lewandowski's uh, testimony yesterday. The Swalwell in question is Eric Swalwell, the congressman, right. who, of course, uh, he was teasing him, calling him President Swalwell because Swalwell had been a candidate. Yeah, yeah uh, no, he was being and, uh, and Swalwell uh, yeah. has dropped out of the race, yeah. so he was La- being Lewandowski was being such a jerk in so many ways. It was just amazing, um, and he's running for senator. And apparently he thinks this is going to get him elected. And actually, he's leading in the polls right now. But he's, he's a name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's leading in the polls uh, in, in the, the Republican, Republican primary? primary yes. Okay, but not in the... Uh, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. Uh, and uh, so is it, by the way, I just can't remember, is it a vacant seat or is he running, will he be running against a Democratic incumbent? I can't remember. I just actually don't know. Uh, maybe Frank will weigh in and let us know that. I just do you know? No. Okay. Uh, so that makes a big difference. Obviously, I, um, the first I covered Obama in New Hampshire 
when he was running. I was on the bus, the press bus. And the first uh, speeding ticket I got in my life was in New Hampshire. I went through a speed trap at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and it was, it was not a fun thing. How'd they treat you when they pulled you over and they saw who you were? No, it was, it was, it was not good. He, th he threatened to make me, it was two above zero, and he threatened to make me sit on the curve while he ran the, um, the, the search on me. You know, I looked at him like he was crazy. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you would have been frozen to the curve. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, so it's clear, it reminded me of Oliver North, and this goes back to the 80s, the Iran-Contra yeah. investigation, where Oliver North decided uh, the best strategy, the best tactic to use against the Democrats on the Senate committee that was investigating the Iran-Contra controversy from the 1980s right. was to counterpunch right. and to be uh, to show his utter contempt for the proceedings, right. his utter contempt for the Democrats, right. and uh, to act as though he were the victim. And that's what Corey Landowski did yesterday. Actually, he took it one step further, he, I think, than uh, Oliver North. He, the level of contempt that he showed, where he mocked the Democrats, it's, yes. it's, it sort of shows how we've evolved as a culture under right. Donald Trump. Right. He mocks. Uh, right. And, and no, no, he just dissed them every which way he could. Yeah. It was amazing. But when, but later on. Well, and, and, before we get okay. to Berkey, so what okay. would you have the Democrats do differently? How, if you're Eric Swalwell, yeah. and the, how could you deal with. Uh, uh, Corey Lewandowski any differently than you did? I would have reversed the order in that I would have had the staff members who got 30 minutes, not five minutes, to question him and who knew the details and knew how to, they were prosecutors. What do you mean 30 minutes, not five minutes? They, they in, in, in the House, mm -hmm. they have these House rules that says each um, member can only have five minutes to question. Mm -hmm. um, they, 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 with the new rules that they came up with, the, with the new rules that the Republicans were complaining about, they came up with new rules where um, staff could have 30 minutes. So the staff gets 30 minutes, uh, the, uh, the, the reps get five minutes. Right, and so Lewandowski was, was um, Basically, just um, using up as much time as he could. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that was a funny little bit that they would do where Lewandowski, uh, they would make a reference, a, a Democratic congressman would make a reference to some page in the Mueller report. Right. And Lewandowski would say, I don't want to read it. Where, what page is that? Right. And then they, would, then they would have to search in the Mueller report for yeah. the exact page. Exactly. And, and the clock would be running. And then he'd say, oh, is that at the top of the page? Or where is it on the page? Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and so, so they were getting frustrated and say, um, stop the stop clock. Stop the clock. <laughs> right, stop exactly. the clock. But it was, I mean, they, sh they, they should have started with their pros, the people that could do it. But, every, but apparently everybody wanted to be on TV. So, well, that is an old, yeah. okay, we, that, that goes back to Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, well, it's, it goes back further the, the, than that. The, but the, the accused Yes, we can talk. We'll be talking about Brett Kavanaugh <laughs> okay. in a little bit. All right. Uh, but uh, there's this, how do I put this? There's this conflict between the desire of a politician, an elected official who has a platform, right. a televised platform exactly. to promote him or herself, right. and uh, the desire of the party or the people to have an effective 
examination right. of the witness. Yeah. And we, I think you're absolutely correct. We would all be better off if there was a pro Right. A professional lawyer right. who is not grandstanding, is not worried about launching his reelection campaign, right. is not worried about promoting him herself, yeah. him yeah. or herself for Senate run. Because right. Nader, Nader, Nader did a lousy job as a lead off. And the You're talking re- about Nadler, Jerry I mean, Nadler. Nadler. Yeah, Nadler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nadler. And he's being challenged for his seat. He's going to be primaried from the left this is why he's suddenly getting anxious to um impeach he doesn't want to happen to him what happened uh with aoc when she elevated herself uh by right or or the republican who was in charge of the house before i'm forgetting his name now but when the Republicans had the House, one of the young guns. Oh, Eric Cantor. Yeah, right, exactly. He doesn't want to be Cantor. Yeah. Uh, that, God, that's like the, the emergence of the Tea Party back in 2012, right. I want to say. Right. Where Cantor was right. defeated well, uh, in a primary. And we now have the emergence of the Resistance Party. And, and they are um, out for blood. But in the meantime, Nancy doesn't want to do it. She um, doesn't have the vote. That's the problem. She All doesn't right. have the votes. So uh, she doesn't have the votes for impeachment. For impeachment. Well, they've had votes for impeachment in- inquiry. I mean, yeah. effectively what happened yesterday was an inquiry. Right. You, you know, you put uh, Lewandowski uh, under oath. Right. And you force him to testify. Right. And right. we'll get to the part where, when they brought the pro in, right. when they brought uh, Barry Burke in, right. who's a lawyer, right. uh, criminal defense lawyer in New York City. Right. Uh, it was a different ballgame. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, he got Lewandowski to admit that Trump had asked him to approach Sessions. So um, they have the the impeachable offense now. They could use that to impeach Trump, but they they still don't. They're still too nervous. They're they're too nervous, Nelly, about it. When you say Sessions, you mean Jeff Sessions, the former Attorney General? Yes. All right. Be a little more specific. Okay. What what Trump Trump did was he asked Lewandowski mm-hmm. to take a message to Sessions, where Trump wanted Sessions to say that he wasn't being investigated, he hadn't obstructed, he wasn't he was he was like um, purer than ivory soap, basically, <laughs> and. Lewandowski. And words I would never use with Donald Trump. Right, exactly, ahead. right, exactly. <laughs> Lewandowski, uh, who was Trump's enforcer and air envoy, if you remember during the campaign, mm-hmm. Lewandowski um, roughed up a, a woman journalist yeah. from Fox, yeah. even. Was it Fox? Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, what right, it went down. exactly. Was it a pencil that he stabbed her with? I, I just remember the incident, and it was an embarrassing moment. They yeah. were looking to see the, at the wound how yeah, bad it was. Right, like, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, so he's he's a true believer and a faithful. Okay, so anyway, Trump says, "You go tell um, Sessions to do this," and Lewandowski says, "Ah, okay." But you then tell he, Sessions to back off. To, to back to say that Trump was innocent mm-hmm. and that nothing and that and that he um, he wasn't going to um, he, he he wasn't going to recuse himself mm-hmm. any longer. He's going to get back in charge. And Lewandowski, who has a law degree, 
thought his name at a minor law school, but still, he has one. A law degree is a law exactly, degree. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Law degree is a law degree. <laughs> one of those law schools I hadn't heard of. It might, Whatever. Trump, it it Trump, is a law degree. Trump, Trump you law school. Yeah, Trump you. Where they, where they uh, serve you Trump steaks for lunch. Exactly, uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, it wasn't from Trump you, but I don't, I don't remember. All right. Anyway, but he has a law degree. Okay. So he thinks about it. And then and he and Session are friends now. They know each other because they both worked on the campaign That's together. That's correct. So he thinks about it and says, hmm, maybe I shouldn't show up at the White House doing this because I will be on record. You know, they, have, they have a record of who visits the, the, uh, the, the White House. So then he decides, um, no, um, I'll call Sessions and tell him to meet me someplace. He calls Sessions, and Sessions, who is... Is, is not as stupid as, as I like to think he is, goes, uh-uh, <laughs> I'm showing up there. <laughs> and so then Lewandowski takes the, the, the script that Trump has dictated to him, mm-hmm. and he puts it in his safe box, his safe, his safe in his home, mm-hmm. and goes on vacation for two weeks. And um, then when he gets back, um, he doesn't do anything with it. He buries it. He buries it. And uh, so in yesterday's interrogation by Barry Burke, what did Barry Burke, uh, the lawyer, get Lewandowski to admit? He got him to admit that Trump had asked him to um, have Sessions break the mm-hmm. law to obstruct justice. And he, you know, and he just, well, first of all, um, unlike Hillary Clinton, Lewandowski wasn't as tough. You know, Hillary was on the stand for eight hours yeah. or something like that. Uh, Lewandowski was only on the stand for five, but he started, he started wearing down because he expended too much energy yelling and screaming at the <laughs> Democrats. <so. laughs> no, he came out with a very strong uh, counterattack yes. where he, uh, he, he was bringing back all the old, what, charges that the Republicans have been leveling. They, they feel that they're the victims they right. feel no, that the no. FBI right. has no, that he he was he was saying that instead of um talking to him about this stuff that it was a hoax mm-hmm. they should be looking into how the you know, the democrats and the fbi and the cia and everybody started this investigation to doing trump because I forget. I keep forgetting because it's so so asinine. But they have some reasoning, you know. It's like they wanted to get Trump for some reason. I can't. They have the, the Republicans have something, but it's it's so stupid. I keep forgetting. No, their 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 um their charge is that the FBI uh, agents who led the investigation uh, into whether Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians were themselves biased against Donald Trump and uh, yeah, were but op- why? Acting as operatives of the Clinton campaign, and they feel as though that the uh, uh, the investigation that triggered all of this was the Steele report that came out of England by an operative for the British uh, Secret Service. And they believe he was uh, in co uh, acting in conjunction with yeah, the Clinton they, campaign. Yeah, no, they have it's so convoluted and so incredible that I, I, I have trouble keeping up with it because it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. If, you, if you just sat down and thought about what they're saying for two minutes. But I think it's enough 
where it's uh, it's got the potential. Well, first of all, what it does is it rallies Republicans around Donald Trump. Yeah. So the, the a big difference between, let's say, Iran Contra in the 80s and definitely the uh, Watergate investigation in the 70s, there are no members of the Republican Party who are going to act as sort of independent. Yeah, there, were, there was no voices. Fox TV back then. That makes all the difference. They send the message. Fox t- sends the message out to the believers, true believers, every day. They give them the talking points. They, 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 they it's, 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 um, incredible. Yeah, it's like a giant precinct captain. Yes, uh, they come knocking on your door, with right? The, uh, with right. The, the points you want to deliver. Right. Or you go drop by his office and pick him up. So okay, so that in that regards. Um, you go by its office and pick it up. In, in that regards, the Republicans, it's a uh, its a very successful tactic, I think, because it just makes it seem as though it's a Democrat versus Republican right. thing, yeah. a partisan uh, battle. Yeah. And so most people who aren't following it closely will just say, well, it's just too complicated. Yeah, noise. It's just, it's just noise. noise. I'm not going to pay yeah, attention. Right. And, and depressed. The other problem is they, in a different world, the Democrats could have held um, Corey in contempt of court, I mean, of, of Congress, in contempt of Congress. But to hold him in contempt of Congress, you have to take it to the Department of Justice. Guess what would happen there? It would get buried? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Buried, and the Republicans would be dancing on its grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, you've been predicting for uh, all these years that there will be impeachment, having seen what went down yesterday, yeah. having seen uh, the frustration that the Democratic uh, reps had in the face of Lewandowski's counterattack, uh, having uh, seen Lewandowski stonewall. Yeah. Uh, and they, I, I, there was even this one moment where Lewandowski was accused of filibustering, and then all of a sudden a Republican was saying, no, that's in the other house. It's, it's the other body. We don't filibuster. Right. Senate right, right. So they're just, just sort of making a joke out of right, the whole thing. Right. Having seen all that, do you still believe the Democrats will go through with, take it to the next step, continue to pursue it? Yes. Yes, I do. I do. Although the clock, there is a clock problem. There are only like 30 some days left where they're going to actually be in session. But the Republicans are just getting, I mean, they're lawless. And so, for the sake of a, for, of the country, the Democrats are going to have to act. The the um, latest thing that Trump did was um, there there has been this um, whistleblower who said that uh, he or she found something very alarming about uh, about Trump. Well, they they didn't name Trump, but mm-hmm. it was it was some. It was the highest authority in the government, which is Trump, mm-hmm. um, that needed to be looked at. And th- they, re- they refused to let the whistleblower come forth. They're burying it. And, and a couple of, um, of um, Trump's um, staff were subpoenaed, and they just said, well, we're not showing up. And the, um, de- um, I think it's the Department of National... Um, it's so much going on. There's so much alphabet mm-hmm. soup. But um, one of the intelligence people, heads was also uh, supposed to appear before the Democrats tomorrow. And they were notified that um, 
he won't be showing up. Mm. He's not coming yeah. in. So th- what they're doing is th- they are breaking all the laws. Mm. It's all obstruction of justice. And that's because they believe that they'll be able to get away with yeah, it. Yeah, no, and they have utter contempt. Right. And uh, they mock. Right. Uh, they're making fun of it, and they're having right. a good time. Of right. Corey Lewandowski. Right. And like I said, but when you get that real lawyer in there, and he, he's under, uh, he he's grilling a, a witness who's under oath, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And and, I, and, and, and see, the, this is the problem, is because, because we're about to go into an election year, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're tying everything up in court. They're breaking all these laws where the Democrats have to go to court. And theoretically, by the time the courts get around to all the things they've done wrong, the, the, they'll either be in the election cycle firmly, it'll be this time next year, mm-hmm. or um, Trump could conceivably be back in the office mm-hmm. and it all get killed. Let's talk about Democrats. We were talking about this before you came on. Democrats who use Trump rhetoric against other Democrats. Uh, this is happening right here in uh, the the primary, the Democratic primary in the third congressional district on the southwest side. The incumbent, as you know, is Dan Lipinski, yes. long-standing uh, Democratic congressman, comes from the Lipinski family, right. in the 23rd Ward, very powerful Democratic family. Right. But they're very conservative, particularly right. on reproductive rights yes. and then uh, gay rights. Right. Uh, and I've, I've always thought of them as um, dem- uh, Republicans and Democrats clothing. That's what they are, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and But uh, he is being challenged, Dan Lipinski, by Marie Newman. We talked about this earlier. Marie Newman came very close to ousting him uh, two years ago in the primary. Now she's doing it again. AOC, Al- Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, has already come in to endorse uh, Marie Newman and Dan Lipinski is fired back with rhetoric that's right out of Trump's playbook, right. uh, calling her Marie Newman the f- the fifth member of the squad. Right. Um, so, are you nervous when you hear about this? You think that there's a split there in the Democratic Party that could cause problems going on to 2020? The Chicago Democratic machine. <laughs> It's not the Democratic Party when you go nationally. I mean, the, uh, you know, these are the people who became Republican overnight where Harold Washington got the nomination. So they, they, they have their own sense of organization and et cetera. But um, they are, as um, some of them, are as conservative as the teabaggers. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, goodbye, Dan. <laughs> you think uh, she's going to beat him? I hope she's going to beat him. I well, don't know. You're not making I don't, predictions not on that no, one. No, 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 not on that one. Well, Dennis had a field day. He was reading uh, the comments, and it was uh, interesting to see how, uh, how, how many parallels there were in the rhetoric uh, that Dan Lipinski was hurling uh, at Marie Newman, calling her the fifth member of the— Oh, yeah, no, no, because they of the same—his constituency, not all of it, but too much of it. Is of the same mentality as the Trump nuts. I mean, you know, he he could easily denounce his 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 um, party allegiance and say he was turning Republican, and they wouldn't they wouldn't be upset about. Well, I think that. That the key for him actually is to try to get people who normally vote Republican to participate in the Democratic primary process and vote for him. Because if it's straight up Democrats, he would lose. Yeah. But if you get people who uh, are usually Republican yeah. to come into the Democratic primary yeah. just to elect him. Then, And you know here in Illinois, yeah. in Chicago, you, you yeah. just ask for, you declare the day you of a primary. Yeah. So, so you think all 30 of them would make a difference? 
awful. You're just, there's more Republican. <laughs> the, the sad thing is, as I, I pointed out, uh, in the last election, uh, Lipinski defeated Marie Newman, then he ran against a Nazi. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, Holocaust yeah, right. denier in the race who had won the Republican primary, and that dude got—I want to say—I'm doing this off the top of my head—several thousand votes. I can't remember how many thousands of votes. Yeah. It's pretty frightening and scary. Yeah. Uh, so there's an element of that district uh, that's to the far right. Right. But I gotta think most of that district by. The overwhelming majority of that district uh, is Democrat at heart. So the way for Lipinski to win is to get the far right to participate. Yeah, in well, that, that's a, yeah, that's a good strategy for him, not not for us, but yeah, yeah. Uh, not for real Democrats. Yeah. Monroe Anderson is my guest. Uh, Sergio Vicente is in the studio. We're going to bring him on after we take this break. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. We've taken a position so far, and the candidates have, through the process, few have not, about on basically Medicare for all, which is we're going to eliminate 150 million people's health care, and we're going to provide health care for people that just come over the border. That is an untenable position for the general election. As you know, George, I just biked around like, Michigan, nearly a thousand miles through Michigan and Wisconsin, two really important states. Nobody at a diner ran at me and said, take my health care away. Nobody. This is this is reckless as it relates to, and you don't have to take the position to win the primary, and you're basically literally hindering yourself for the general election. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Get the inside scoop on all things Chicago Bears this football season with the annual Sun-Times Bears magazine. Dive into features of players, coaches, games, and plays and get excited for the 100th season of football. Ben, you're excited about the 100th season of football, isn't that right? Absolutely. Yeah, you always make that noise when you're excited, right? Yeah, hut, hut, blue dog. 2020! Ready, hut, hut. It's ready, set, 2020. Ready, set! There it is. Blue dog. Yeah, blue dog. That's an audible. Yeah. Sergio knows about it. He used to play football. Uh, audibles. That's good times. You can order your copy of the of the magazine at suntimes.com. C-S-T shop. Once again, suntimes.com. C is in cat. S is in Sam. T is in Tom. Shop. Grab your copy today. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, September 18th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. 
Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, September 18th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We welcome back host of the Fight Podcast, Sergio Vicente, and Chicago Sun-Times obituary writer, Maureen O'Donnell. And now your host, Chicago Sun-Times obituary reader, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, big fan of Maureen O'Donnell. She'll be coming in later, uh, about mm, 40 minutes or so, uh, talk about some of her great uh, article. The one she wrote on Pedro Bell, folks, absolutely brilliant. And uh, Pedro Bell is somebody you should know about. Sergio Vicente, I like to say, is Chicago's own Joe Rogan. He's going to be the next you, Joe Rogan. I like it. I need you to continue saying it and let everybody know. Like that. That's perfect. That's what we want. Chicago's <laughs> next Joe Rogan. He's got the fight podcast. He knows about, just like Rogan started out in wrestling, right? And he uh, uh, and this man, well, I now, don't think now, he was a boxer. I, I, do, I do have to say this. Okay. You, you've always said, you know, I'm into wrestling. I literally haven't watched wrestling since I was in middle school. But I appreciate the athletes involved. And I appreciate the way that they market the sport itself. So that in itself and the way that they do it, I'm all for that. Yeah. But uh, in terms of watching it, hey, you don't uh, watch it. Uh, not so much. Uh, but so, you, so, I, so what's the first rule of the fight club? Hey, we don't talk about fight club. <laughs> the um, uh, also he was uh, a big. You were a boxer as well. Yes, sir. Let, let's yes, sir. let's not forget that the man was a boxer. Uh, was Joe Rogan ever a boxer? D no. Yo, no. Joe Rogan actually um, was a were uh, ch- a champion uh, taekwondo practitioner. He so he is actually a, he has many you know medals and everything like that. He stopped doing it you know when he was in his early twenties. Um, he pretty much stopped doing that while he was transitioning into comedy, doing comedy full time. But if you actually look at it in terms of martial arts itself, Joe Rogan has a wealth of experience and he is a legitimate martial artist. He's also the number one podcaster in America right now. Every day, Dennis and I go, "Are we any closer to Joe Rogan? <laughs> we still got a ways to go." Uh, That's but, the gold standard. He but, is this era's um, uh, what's it called? Um, Wow, I'm blanking on his name. Gentleman who used to do the Tonight Show way back in the Johnny day. Johnny Carson. He's this era's Johnny Carson. Uh, yes. I'll tell you what, his um, his uh, interview with Sanders, with Bernie Sanders, uh, it really helped Bernie Sanders a lot. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, and uh, it was... Um, How long ago was that? That was about, uh, about a, a month, month ago. ago. About a month ago. About a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and, he better go back because uh, Elizabeth Warren is just like... Boom, right, boom, we'll we'll boom. get some uh, Bernie Elizabeth Warren talk coming out here in a little while. The, the main thing I want to talk to uh, Sir, uh, Sergio about before I, I kick it to Dennis for an update. So I'm just going to tease this right now. And I, I told you this earlier. So many Democrats I talked to are so intimidated by Donald Trump's rhetoric. And uh, it is just the fight game. Uh, it is it the is. wrestling game, really, that Donald Trump has. Ma- he's the master of the wrestling game. Uh, <laughs> and so we'll get into that. I'll get Sergio's thoughts on that. Before we do that, do you got an update? for me absolutely i do the last time i watched wrestling sunday <laughs> watch the pay-per-view wrestling champions yeah. it was awesome all right the ben Jarowski show reached 2,000 likes on our facebook page over the weekend a huge thank you to everyone who has liked the page all of you are incredible i'm talking to each and every one of you right now hey thanks you're great 
3,000. Here we come, Ben. Am I right? I see it right there. Oh, you too, huh? Oh, wait, that's the, the poster. I see it behind the poster. <laughs> but to celebrate, we're having a caption contest. It's a Lori Lightfoot caption contest. If you're listening live, head over to the Facebook page now and leave us your captions, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show, because we are announcing our top three captions at the end of today's program. What do the three top captions win? All right, well, let's not talk about that. But the picture's posted. They get a car. Oh, they, they get nothing. <laughs> the blue mustache. We don't send them that. Oh, the picture's posted nice on top of the page. Mustang. It's one of Lori Lightfoot sitting next to the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump. We have more of your captions to read uh, before we announce our winner. Once again, Lori Lightfoot sitting next to Ivanka Trump. Okay, picture that. Lori Lightfoot sitting next to Ivanka Trump. Picture that as I read the following captions. Let's see here. And we only have three. Beth, Beth weighed in. This is uh, apparently a bubble on top of Lori Lightfoot's head. You know, like in uh, comics? Mm -hmm. It's Lori Lightfoot saying, Mm -hmm. oh, God, I'm in a rerun of the Stepford Wives. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. does have that look, Mm -hmm. that robotic look of the Stepford Wives. How about Matthew? Uh, Matthew left a caption here. Uh, Very uh, Wayne's Worldy here. Uh, Matthew's caption, (laughs) Sphincter says what? Uh. (laughs) It's Lightfoot talking to Ivanka. Sphincter says what? <laughs> you want me to say what? Like, I don't get it. Nice All right, Christopher Walken. All right, and uh, finally, Foster. Foster says, this is Photoshopped, right? Oh, no. Not at all, Foster. Uh, no. That actually uh, happened. Yeah, Leave us your captions. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show. At the end of today's show, we are going to announce our winner, our top three captions. Good luck. Yes, and Dennis will uh, award $5,000 to the winner. Oh, yeah, because I got that. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the mail, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Sergio, let's get down to business, young man. Uh, and here's something. Since the last time in this show, I've had many conversations with Democrats. The biggest bunch of worry warts I've, I've seen. They're so intimidated by Donald Trump on so many different levels. And so many of them are walking around predicting Donald Trump's going to win. We can't beat Donald Trump. It's all over. And it's... It's almost like they're going in the opposite direction of 2016 when they were too confident about Hillary Clinton. And they're just so, he's so spooked them, Sergio. Well, let's be honest. Let's think about why they're spooked. They're spooked because they're banking on somebody that's exactly like Hillary Clinton. And they know that Joe Biden cannot beat Donald Trump. If Joe Biden is the the individual that ends up getting the nomination, they're absolutely correct. We will lose. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't do a number of different things. He doesn't excite his base. He's not current with social media or anything in that capacity. And guess what? He doesn't know what day it is, <laughs> much less know exactly what state he's in. So how is he possibly yeah. going to end? Let's not forget yeah. all of his receipts. All of his receipts over the last 40, 50 years. What he has done, he was more to the right of Ronald Reagan in terms of criminal justice reform, yeah. not reform, in terms of criminal justice and actually locking black and brown people up. He is the drug czar. He wanted those type of things. More of these things are coming out when, when Joe Biden was, you know, hey, Uncle Joe, we were good. Yeah. But now that people believe he has an opportunity to win, of course you should be nervous. But there are ways to combat that. How? And I, a number of different things. First of all, people honestly, I think, need to do a far better job of being on top of social media. Mm-hmm. Look at everyone who is doing what. And here's the thing. I'll give Donald Trump 
credit for. He owns social media. He knows what he's doing on there. He doesn't know much. But one thing that he does know how to do is work Twitter. Mm -hmm. He dictates what's going on with those type of conversations. All right, but wait, hold on. Before we get into that, yes, just think about what you said about Joe Biden is sort of like what Democrats do. What you, in other words, you just definitively said that the Democrats will lose if Joe Biden is the nominee. I don't make that concession right. because in every poll I've seen, exactly. Joe Biden is... Like Joe 10 Biden, it, percentage it, points and, ahead and, of Donald Trump. And, and the latest poll, five of the top Democrats were beating Trump. Yeah. I, so I don't buy the Trump wins under any circumstances. I could run against Trump. You know I, what? And, and that and, is and the exact him. same reason we lost last time. No, we lost last time because Putin and mm. because 80,000 votes spread over three states out of uh, out of. Um, 125 million cast. But this is the point I'm making. Okay. Okay, This is the point I'm making that Democrats, uh, with the exception of Monroe, who actually has been saying for three years, without doubt, that Donald Trump is going to lose. Democrats, it's just like, if Joe Biden's a nominee, we're going to lose. That's one interpretation which you just uh, espoused. Then you got the Democrats who say, if Bernie is the nominee, we're right. going to lose because it's too extreme. Elizabeth or if Elizabeth right. Warren right. is the nominee, we're going to lose because they'll just say, oh, he'll just say Pocahontas to her and she'll fall apart. Oh, I, no, they, I, no. White women won't vote for it, white women. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's every single person that comes up, uh, Kamala Harris can't beat them because of her record on criminal justice. Justice as attorney general. I mean, this is Democrats. I I don't. Democrats are the biggest bunch of worry warts. And they're so intimidated by Donald Trump. They're not just intimidated by by Donald Trump. Everything that Republicans have ever done, they get bullied left and right. No matter what they do. Look at what's going on, for instance, in terms of every like with with impeachment, for instance. Nancy Pelosi refuses, refuses to do anything. And here's the thing. She's like, oh, oh, we don't have the votes. How many different type of policies are not getting pushed through because of she's like, oh, it won't go through. It's not about the the impeachment going through. Mm -hmm. It's about setting a precedent. And we have an opportunity to sit actually and set a precedent and say, hey, look, Mm -hmm. no matter what you do, we are not going to allow you to just literally get away with crimes left and right, get away with almost murder. Like this dude is legitimately doing everything he wants. He's making a mockery of our, our of our government, yeah. and she's not doing anything. Her and her little complicit buddy over there, neither of them are doing anything. And Monroe, you're with him 100 percent on this. Yes, one. yes, I am with him 100. percent I, you know, I I I feel her pain. You know, I understand why she doesn't. She just got the gavel back, and she doesn't want to lose it again. And that's what she's afraid of. But as a matter of principle, not politics, Trump has to be indicted. One thousand percent. Yeah, he has to be indicted. One thousand percent. Even if they, even if they lose, mm-hmm. and but if they do the indictment, I still maintain that if they do the indictment and um, just stick with it and and, and approach it intelligently instead of doing the stupid stuff they did yesterday <laughs> calling those fact witnesses in is going to expose all the things trump mm-hmm. did and let him run on it 
Let him run on his his corrupt record and his lawlessness. All right, let's uh, uh, get a counterpoint of view. We've been playing this for the last week. This is uh, Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of the city of Chicago, who is now uh, sort of representing the Democratic Party. On we ABC. let him talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting paid big time, I think, to uh, talk. CBS, right? Uh, ABC. ABC. And uh, yeah. you got the bit. This is Rahm uh, and, uh, give offering advice to Democrats uh, and what they need to do to defeat Donald Trump. Go ahead. No, I think progressives are really where the energy is right now. And I think if you can expand the electorate, which is what we saw in 08, bringing out new voters, particularly brown and black voters, young voters, energize the base where you don't have to change your message much, right? Just go out and get those voters excited. We can win. But hold on, Ron. I saw you shaking your head real quick. What, what's the rebuttal here? Well, first of all, Donald Trump is going to do a great job turning out our vote. And in 08, as well as in 92, 96, and in 12, is because both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama brought other people, not just just people in the party, other people to the party. Right, there you go. Uh, that is, he's Donald Trump himself. Isn't Dude, what a clown. <laughs> what an absolute clown. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing how someone is saying, literally, this young lady gave whomever the moderator or whatever who uh-huh. asked the question was, gave the blueprint. Yes, right now, even to the point that Donald Trump himself, when he's running, all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys notice, he turns super progressive. Hey, let's give free Medicare for all. Hey, let's. Do, my man becomes Oprah all of a sudden. Yeah. He wants to give everything away. But... We're, well, we're, yeah, for for a day. For a day. But here's the thing. He says those things because yeah. he understands that those things are popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So progressive points right now, specifically in our country, is extremely popular. Again, she said it, energize the base. Right. You end up getting all those people because especially, think about this, the youth is really, at this point in time, pushing towards progressives. Mm-hmm. Right. And if that's the case, instead of sitting there saying, oh, let's try to have them conform to what we want, how about you do what the country itself actually wants? To So actually sit back and say, oh, forget it, let's do this, no. Energize your base, listen to what people actually want and actually try to facilitate those specific things. Yeah. Well, the the point I made, uh, I just wrote about this. The point I made is that for for far too long, uh, Democrats like Rahm have um, were successful because the quote unquote base stayed home. And this is an important point that Democrats have sort of to confront. Uh, in so many primaries in, in the city of Chicago, uh, the um, incumbent Democrats were reelected in the primaries precisely because people stayed at home, precisely because there was a low turnout. So it works to their advantage. So Democrats, they have this little uh, switch they have to click on. They have to keep vote voters uh to suppress the vote, if you will, yeah. keep turnout low to get reelected uh, in a local race, mm-hmm. uh, and then they ho- want to wait. Turn the uh, uh, the switch back on every four years for a national race. It's not so easy once people fall out of the habit of voting. Once they get the notion well, that the other thing is, unlike the Republicans, they didn't do their homework. They didn't. The Republicans have been concentrating on these down ticket positions for the last 20 years mm-hmm. and that's why uh, the Republicans now control a lot of the state houses and what have you because um, the Koch brothers were paying you know they knew where they could invest their money to change the um, um, math in a, in, a, in a district or conduct uh, or state and so they've been doing that 
we we weren't even running in certain places. We had no candidates mm -hmm. at certain places. And and like the lottery says, you you got to play to win. Absolutely. And uh, so, Serge, let me get this straight. Yes, sir. Uh, if Joe Biden is the nominee, and right now uh, he's doing fairly well in the polls. So, again, it's early, so we'll see. It's going but, to be Elizabeth Warren. All right, there you go. That's his prediction. And, and, and I'm be honest with you, if Elizabeth Warren gets not, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. I'm ecstatic with yeah. Elizabeth Warren. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a, I am definitely a Bernie guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, if Elizabeth Warren at this point in time is going to get it because if she gets it, it's strictly because of the way mainstream media poses Bernie Sanders. Talk about that. Mainstream media, if you actually look at it, and one of the amazing things is they didn't believe that she was going to get this close. So now they're starting to turn on her also if you actually pay attention to what's going on. But if we actually think about it, mainstream media consistently poses. There was something along the lines of like 70% of the articles that go out about Bernie Sanders are negative. Mm -hmm. Anything that they say. And then all of a sudden when you do this, they interview these individuals and they interview a lot of times the baby boomers and they'll interview these, you know, baby boomers and they'll ask them about these questions. Hey, who do you think? And then what do they say? Oh, I don't like Bernie because of and they can never say anything in terms of policy. They never they don't even know. They just go by what CNN or everybody's telling them and saying they're like, oh, well, I guess he's a bad guy. That's why, for instance, you said it from the very beginning in terms of him being on Joe Rogan was such a good thing because that was the first time ever right after that you heard regular everyday people saying, yo, everything they said about Bernie isn't it? He's a regular dude. Well, this, I mean, now you, you raised a point that I. Uh, See, and Bernie strikes me as um, the crouchy old man that's yelling, get off my lawn. And why is he that? Comes up because that's how he presents himself. That is not how he presents I, himself. He presents himself as somebody who actually knows and is not with the, the charade. He's not with the game. So just because he's sitting there saying somebody who has legitimately been saying the exact same he's, thing he's for the last. He's and barking. And not, but listen and here. At least he's not uh, telling people that they're rapists and murderers for being from a specific region. Yeah. Just because they're south of the yeah, Oh, no, no, no. It's so, no comparison between, you know. And I'm sorry, Ben. If, I know you're about to go. Yeah, right. No, sir. If, if Bernie, I'm not a Bernie bro. That, that but, is for sure. Yeah, exactly. That but is for sure. If, if, this that, is the non-Bernie bro yeah, right, over exactly. here. But if Bernie won, mm -hmm. I'd be fine with that. All right, sir. Yeah, look, okay. Yeah. I, any of the Democrats. Yeah, any of the Democrats. Because yeah. I don't know if you were saying it four years ago. Here's the deal. You, you meant, no, it's a I didn't generational think he would win. Thing. I knew he wasn't going to win It's a generational thing. Yes. It's a generational thing. And you know, you have a lot of baby boomers in your life. I know the baby boomers in your life. And your parents, et cetera, uncles, aunts etc friends what have you they are of the generation this and this gets into the democratic psychology bernie sanders articulates all the values that democratic party holds true that's like the values of using government to help people yes uh to provide the basics for health care education uh to uh have a progressive taxes so you support it by the wealthiest these are val these are democratic values democrats are so spooked and intimidated by republicans they automatically think that the programs that democrats extol that they believe in will lead to defeat 
in in the in the election and so they pull back and baby boomers have this they're so cautious and nervous and afraid sergio you know this you know. live with them i know they, they, they get so nervous See, oh. well, elizabeth warren doesn't doesn't frighten me bernie doesn't frighten me the problem with bernie is okay t- two problems first of all um he's not a democrat He's voted with the oh, Democrats. Yeah, right. Right. He's not a Democrat. He he's voted with the Democrats, but he he doesn't have the chits to collect from the party. Um, that a real Democrat. That's why Hillary won it last time. Um, and and Hillary was not a great candidate. All right, Sergio, your response. Bernie Sanders, from what I remember, won the popular vote last time. So wait, did he? I don't think I'm he did. I'm pretty sure he beat. Uh, I do not believe well, well, it. Was Frank the, 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 the in in terms of the? Um, I I believe that Hillary out got more votes than Bernie Sanders. Okay, well, yeah. whatever. Now Hillary got let's more votes. Close. Let's say it was close. close. Now okay, Hillary fine. got more votes yes. than everybody. Okay. Yes. So let's. Well, let's, okay, let's, that's against Trump. Yes. Yeah, right. In terms exactly. of Trump. Okay, go ahead. But let's say this. Okay. People are so caught up in the terms of him calling himself a democratic socialist. So caught up in it, it's all this. It's it's all about aesthetics. Let's go back and actually look at receipts. Because if I look at receipts, guess what? Elizabeth Warren at one point in time was a Republican. Yeah. So what were you saying that someone who has actually voted for the last 40? No, no, okay. I let you speak, bro. Okay, okay. Sorry, the bro. people who okay. actually ended up going out there and actually saying everything else. And, and literally, this man has receipts over the last 40 years and been saying the exact same things. And literally everything that the Democrats, all these last number of debates, all of these debates are literally based upon the policies that Bernie Sanders has put into place. Right. So we're sitting here speaking about the the guy is right here. He's here. He's the one who's dictating this pace. He's the one dictating the conversation. So it's actually showing more and more. And then again, we're talking about polling. We go back to say, oh, what's it called has the the, the lead. Well, last time I Biden. checked, Biden has the lead. Last time I checked, it's close, roughly 20-20-20. It's a three-way tie. Yeah, it's not you, there anymore. You know what that tells me, though? That tells me that the progressive wing has at minimum 40% of the vote, while everybody else has only, again, the lead roughly, what, 20? 20 or so? Oh, if you add them together. If we add them together? Yeah. All okay, right, Monroe, now, now, the latest, okay, the latest poll has Bernie with 31 as Elizabeth Warren, who's been steadily climbing with 25, and Bernie is now at 14. So um, Biden is twice as much as Bernie. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, and it's not that I dislike Bernie. That's not the problem. And I actually, you're right. All the, all, everything that the Democrats are running on now were his policies four years ago. No, no, no. Yeah. They're yeah. 40 years. Four, four, and yeah. for the last yeah. 40 years. Okay. But no, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about in terms of, uh, of, of being stated in a campaign. Yeah. yeah, I know he's been the same. He's been since. consistent. Yeah. He's been consistent he's been, throughout his entire yeah, life in yeah. politics. And he's not gotten anything done. You tell me some important legislation that, 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 that he's done. Uh, well, can I answer that question? Please, sure. Okay. okay. Me against the voter bros. All okay. Right. As a guy who voted for Bernie in 2016. Yeah. I believe that it's, how do I put this? It's, I don't even know if the right word is unfair to say Bernie's got nothing done. What Because Bernie is up against so much 
the, the, the values that he espouses, the fight that he is advocating, yeah. the struggle that he champions is against some of the most powerful vested interests in this country. It's against everything that this country thinks can be accomplished. So like universal health care, he has been championing universal health care since he uh, first ran for office back in, I don't know, 1970. Democrats have been incapable of advancing universal health care because the resistance in this country which I think is so irrational, is so strong and so rooted in so many powerful institutions like the AMA, corporate America, pharmaceuticals. Bernie goes down the list. So to say that Bernie hasn't accomplished anything because he couldn't confront like the powers that be, it's a miracle that I think he survived as long as he's okay. had. Okay, on the other hand. Go ahead. And he's also Elizabeth dictated Wa- this, this narrative he, now. If it wasn't for Bernie, he, he's the one that's changed the Elizabeth narrative. Elizabeth Warren, on the other hand, has gotten things done in a much shorter career as a politician. She has actually gotten things done. Um, Trump is, is along with um, reversing um, Obama's policies, He's reversed her. She, she had a consumer re- protection board that she set up. I, I, I listen. I am not going to fall into the, the game that so many Democrats fall into, yeah. where they feel co- uh, compelled to justify a, a position they have in favor of mm-hmm. one candidate yeah. by annihilating another candidate. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. Yeah. People, yeah, uh, I, I have all that. my kids in the car, right. and they were like saying why they were for. Uh, uh, Bernie, and they couldn't really articulate a difference between Bernie and Warren. So right. what they do it was start talking. Well, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican forty years ago. I'm like, what does that have to yeah, do with no, anything? My, my position with Bernie is, I was four years ago. My position with Bernie was, I loved the ideas and the policy. It, it forced Hillary to go more to the left than she was comfortable with. She wanted to be uh, solidly in the middle, in the center, but. <laughs> Bernie could not win. If Bernie, they made the Republicans made Obama into a Muslim and into a a socialist, and he's neither. What they would have done with Bernie in in if he had been the nominee. Many, many states would have been. All right, I'm going to give Sergio the response. We're going to take a break and come back. We're going to talk about Donald Trump's attempts to win over black voters and Hispanic voters. (laughs) So before we go to the break, Sergio, your response. Look, in terms of, okay, to answer your question in terms of like, I'm, for me personally, look, I'm voting for whoever's blue. Let's be honest. Whoever gets there, even if it's Joe Biden, who I am not a fan of, if he's the nominee, if he's the nominee, I'm going to vote for him right, because I, I believe I, we need to get the, the and, individual And I'm out. not a fan of Joe either. So we're mm. not even. We're not, <laughs> so I you're understand. going blue no matter no, who. No matter who. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're on the same page. Right. But again, I thoroughly understand and I believe that there are. And this is the this is the point in time where we can have an intellectual debate yeah. about whom is best for our country. Right. I think this is healthy. Yeah. It is a good thing. I don't look at this as infighting. I look at this is someone we're sitting here right. where we have a litany of, of challengers. We have an opportunity to sit back and say, okay, look, this is what this person does well. This is what this person does well. And at the end of the day, yeah. we'll see who ends up sifting through the end of the mix. And then we can make our choice. Right. As of right now, I know for myself, I'm progressive. 
Yeah. I'm by, I'm definitely progressive. That's why I look at, for instance, I look at Bernie Sanders. I look at Elizabeth Warren. I look at Andrew Yang. Yeah. I'm looking at these individuals. And I'm saying, hey, man, they have some really, really solid points that I love. Do I have some people that I lean more towards than others? Yeah. One thousand percent. But it's not in terms of butchering anybody else, except for Joe Biden. Right. Well, <laughs> right. 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 All right. Wait. That's Sergio okay. Facente. We're going to take a break. We're come back. We're going to talk about Donald Trump's attempts. Uh, I have to ask Monroe just to stick around for this one. Uh, uh, Donald Trump's attempts to win over Hispanic and black voters is absolutely hilarious in a sad and pathetic way. We'll be right back. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for, um, like if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And, uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you, um, even wider. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. They're located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And people, they are awesome. Furniture, books, clothes, antiques. I'm actually on GreenElementResale.com right now, which is the website that you can go to. GreenElementResale.com. They have several pictures posted here at Green Element Resale. Just want to list some of the things I'm seeing here. Oh! I see a dresser. There's a dresser right now. GreenElementResale.com. Get a dresser and an oscillating fan. If anybody needs an oscillating fan, head over to Green Element Resale right now. Several board games I'm seeing there. Oh, toys for the kids. Green Element Resale has it all. GreenElementResale.com. 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. They're open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. until 7 p.m. And Sunday, 12 until 7 p.m. That's right. Seven days a week. Green Element Resale. Learn more at GreenElementResale.com. And when you go there, people... You will save tons of money. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Sergio Vicente in the studio from the Fight Pass, uh, Fight Podcast and uh, Monroe Anderson sticking around. They, they battled it out. Uh, Hillary <laughs> versus Bernie. Uh, some fights never go away. Uh, Sergio, uh, you were a little critical of Joe Biden, but I'm sure 
uh, that you agree with me when, when I say this. If Joe Biden says he'll come on the Fight Podcast, you're welcome on anytime. 1,000%. <laughs> 100%. I mean, granted, he, he might not know my name or Obama's name, but you know what? I, if he comes on, I'd be very, very flattered. Yeah. By the way, I've said this many times. Or he might not know where he is. <laughs> right, right. Voters don't care. I think um, I will say this. Voters do not care that much about whether Joe Biden knows where he is, whether he stumbles. Because Trump doesn't either. Yeah, Trump is right. just as demented. Exactly. And right. in the city right. of Chicago, I just want to point this out, we've been electing mayors for 20 years who don't start a sentence and don't know where they're going to end it. So yeah. it doesn't seem to be a deterrent in the city of Chicago anyway when it comes. So all right. of a sudden people in Chicago are saying, oh, Joe Biden, what is he talking about? A record player. You were the ones who voted for Daley. I don't know. I still don't know what Daley was talking about whenever he said anything. But I can say this at the end of the day, we also have never this is at this point in time in history. We have more information in our phones than anybody in human history. Literally, I have yeah. all the information yeah, right we, here. We got a, a computer. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. people didn't have that in the past. So people weren't able to question as much because a lot of that information wasn't out there. You were privy to a lot of this information because, like you just said, hey, you're 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 like Bernie. You've been here. You've been doing it for the last forty <laughs> for years. Forty years. You know. But the rest of other, the rest of us honestly have not had that opportunity. And for me, for specifically, I look at, for instance, two thousand sixteen. It was such a, a a moment because I was like, what happened? What just happened? Yeah. Last eight, a chunk of big chunk of my life, I had an amazing president. Yeah. At least I thought so. Yeah. So what's going on now? So it, it's no, it was, a, like it was a fluke. That's what I, that, the Democrats are running around here. You know, oh God, it could happen. No, 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 no. The Democrats are crazy. Democrats yeah, right, are so exactly. and it was, he, wimpy right he, now. He, he filled an inside straight, and so now they said, There's, "Oh, he's a he got lucky and filled it." And so now everybody said, "He's a brilliant oh, car player. He's he brilliant." The Democrats. Right. Yeah, I listen, man. I, I talk to a lot of Democrats. That's all I pretty much talk to. They're so afraid of their shadow. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing, the right. nominating the wrong guy. This right. one is going to lose. That strategy is not going to work. Donald Trump's so brilliant. He's playing chess. We're playing right. checkers. I've seen this. Like, Wait, people really believe he's playing chess? Yes. Yo, See, he's playing paint by numbers. Right. Let's be honest. I, I, right, I, speaking I, of which, I say he's playing tic-tac-toe. Okay, he's playing, right. Speaking of which, and all right, Sergio, i got to ask you about this. You too, Monroe. So Donald Trump goes to New Mexico. He's going to fight it out on the Democratic turf, and he's going to win over Hispanic voters. He goes into Mexico and starts trashing Democrats left and right. Uh, and, and Hispanics at that. And, and so right. what kind of way, what Hispanic is going to go for Donald Trump? Sergio, please help me out on that front. At this point in time, there it's 79% of Hisp Latinos do not approve of Donald Trump. Now, the 21% or whatever, I don't know what they're thinking, right. but at the end of the day, He's not favorable with the Latino community. And then you got to ask of the 21%, like what percentage is like from Cuban versus exactly. Puerto Rico. Exactly. Right. And what part of the country they're from. So if we're looking at, for instance, individuals from Texas yeah. and Florida, for instance, a lot of times they tend to lean more conservative. So do you know any those. Puerto Ricans who are from. I do not. <laughs> do you do know not. any Puerto Ricans in your life? <laughs> I yes. Do not today. I, in my life, but who do, do, do vote for Donald uh, Trump? I do not go for Donald No, I do not. And uh, so he goes down to New Mexico and then totally trashes. It was crazy. It was crazy. It, I mean, because he's a white supremacist. You know, every yes. I, people. I mean, it's it's so obvious that he's a right white supremacist. You know, um, even his African American. Finally woke up and oh, said, no, this is, yeah, okay. that was hilarious." Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's African American. Yeah, right. Yes. 
Okay, this goes back to 2016, am I right? Yes. Yeah. And Donald Trump was giving a speech, and he saw this black guy standing in the audience. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. And what did he say? That's my African American. Yeah, 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 yeah there's my African American. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, and, now, and that probably because he was the only one there. <laughs> holding it down. So the, again, and Cheeto, you know, who says that he 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 quit. Yeah, he's all right. This is, his name is Gregory Cheeto. Yeah, and now right. he's going to run for Congress as an independent. As an independent, <laughs> but he says that um, Trump is a white supremacist, but he's not a racist. So he doesn't even know what's going on. <laughs> you know, Wait, what's the difference? <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Maybe right. you have me. I have yeah. no idea. Right. It's one right. the same. Right. I so, think it's the difference between calling somebody. Uh, um, yeah, well, all right. So let me I ask you, that. you Go ahead. Okay. So in terms of Donald Trump's rhetoric over his last is this last um, uh, rally that he had in New Mexico, a lot of individuals have to understand that racism is the feature. That's what it is. Yes. He pushes it out there. It is the feature. Right. It's the main event. That's what he wants. Right. And he knows that his base loves it. Right. The yeah. fact that he goes up there and says, what do you like more, Hispanics or America? Yeah. And he was like, when, it, when the, the gentleman said it, he was like, nah, I think yeah, you right. like Hispanics more. Right. Whatever. Right. And he keeps on going. It's He literally makes a mockery of everything. And for him... He doesn't have enough nuance. He doesn't have enough intelligence to sit there and be witty and be clean. Everything all that he does in terms of comedy or whatever his speeches, it's all mean-spirited bully culture. Mm -hmm. right. That is what he does. Right. Uh, Melania, be best, huh? Get your, get your guy. Because he's out here bullying and talking trash left and right. But nobody actually sits there and actually holds him accountable. This is ridiculous. He panders to whomever he actually wants to actually. He's pandering to Latin voters because he understands that he's not going to win without us. Guess what? You've doo-dooed on us for the last few years. And you think that now we're going to sit back and actually vote for you now? Now you think after a couple months, oh, I'm going to say a couple different things. And he's going to change. And they're all going to change their minds. And they're going to love me. Wrong. Is there anything in your humble opinion, either one of you, both of you, uh, that Donald Trump can say now as we head into election year to win over black or Latino voters, aside from Cuban voters who are vehemently anti-communism? No. Communist. Yes. I quit. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. If he says that, that's one thing. But in terms of actually someone sitting there saying anything. Yeah. He doesn't understand that people are actually intelligent enough to realize that he contradicts himself in every sentence. Even in this speech in New Mexico, he had 26 lies in an hour speech. I can't give you 26 like that. That's that. That would be difficult to sit here and actually do. And uh, it, Monroe, do you think other than quitting, do you think there's anything you could say? No. All right. Well, let me close this segment by telling you guys this. We've been trashing Donald Trump now all this entire segment. We trash him <laughs> all the time. And, and yet, I said this yesterday, I had a revelation this weekend. I saw the movie Official Secrets, which is a really good flick that hasn't gotten nearly the attention it deserves. And it tells the story of a uh, British operative for the, uh, for the, the intelligence service in England uh, who was a whistleblower and revealed secrets about uh, how the Brits and the Americans were spying on, uh, or the Americans asked the Brits to spy on United Nations uh, leaders so they could use intel he gathered to blackmail them into voting mm. for the Iraqi war, all right? And when I watched this movie, 
and they showed Bush and they showed Cheney and they showed all the lies that yeah. that administration right. delivered in order to engineer support for a war in Iraq right. that was in nobody's best interest in this country, certainly not in anybody's best interest in Iraq, and has caused so much damage, so much death, yes. so much waste of money, energy, and time. Right. Gentlemen, I said to myself, Donald John Trump is not the worst president of the 21st I've, century. I've already said that. I, I mean, it, it, we're talking about in terms of on the global scale, what has happened worse. Granted, he's the most terrifying because he's a loose cannon. We have no idea what's going to go on. But in terms of actually what has happened to this point in time, George Bush is the worst and you were, I remember, because you yeah. were in high school. Yes. Uh, you were playing football in high school in that time. Yes. And we were worried that, like, the war, how long would this war? Here it is. How many years later? The wars are still going on. 18 years later. It's ridiculous. I mean, that at this point in time is by far the worst. Um, but, again, he had two terms to get it in. Yeah. See, and I maintain that he was the worst. But Trump mm -hmm. is evil. Wow, more worse. Well, I uh, but there, but you know, but it's 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 comparing murder what, and right. killing. All so. right. That's why I say yeah. uh, vote for blue, no matter who. Sergio Vicente, the Fight Podcast. Tell folks how they can find it. Yes, you can find us everywhere. Podcasts are available: iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the all the above. So uh, check us out there. Also check out the website www.thefightpodcast.com. Find me there. I was going to ask you too, like if you could give us an example, like what was the last week's show you talked about, and what's of the course. upcoming show? Absolutely. So each and every week, I'll sit there, for instance, and I break down all of the up and coming events. Uh, actually, last week, um, I had a long <laughs> soliloquy about uh, Conor McGregor. I know Conor, a lot of people understand that Conor McGregor is the biggest name in combat sports, really, and uh, he has not won a fight in over a thousand days. <laughs> he it's beat, been over three years. He beat that bus. Remember, he was beating. No, the he, he also beat up some really old guy in Dublin. Yeah. So yeah, in a bar. In a bar. You know, he's done a lot of those yeah, things. He so beat the old guy in a bar, man. You know, that dude thing. is nuts, man. He's yeah. absolutely nuts. Um, but he's a loser. So one thing that I that I'll do is I'll sit there. I talk each week. I talk about fight a little bit of fight news. Um, but then I also break down all of the up and coming events and all the past events as well. So we get about a number of different events this during the week. Um, we talk about pop culture. Um, we also go out there and uh, we talk boxing as well so a little bit of everything a little all-encompassing show well in the terms next of time you come sports. on i want that t-shirt he's got the uh yes, fight podcast t-shirt shirt. uh it's it pretty there. cool yeah show it to the Absolutely. camera right there all right sergio vicente we got maureen o'donnell uh, on deck she's a huge fan of conor mcgregor no she's <laughs> just kidding i don't think she, she's looking at me like i am not <laughs> you want me to say shut your mouth yeah she's not a conor mcgregor fan but uh she is one of chicago's great writers Maureen O'Donnell will be coming on when we return. <laughs> well, we got to get down to business. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland Cremation Options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery 
by streamlining the cremation directly. It saves you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. You can find them at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. All right, let me save that real quick. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Sergio Vicente has left the building. Monroe Anderson has left the building, but Maureen O'Donnell is here, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite writers. Everybody knows how much I love Maureen O'Donnell's work. She is, pound for pound, the best obituary writer uh, in the United States. There, I said it. All right, Maureen? Okay, <laughs> you. you can Thank take you. that one right it. over uh, to Chris Fusco. Get yourself a raise, okay? <laughs> Just give it to him, that little receipt. He'll give you a raise. Uh, and uh, so every now and then, there's a, a obituary that she writes that I say... I call her up. I go, Marie, you got to come on and talk about this. This is so good. The one of Pedro Bell just pops out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Pedro Bell. And then, of course, now I've discovered this. I, I've learned this uh, from interviewing Maureen so much. She's also a huge movie fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, as such, uh, i got a few movie questions I want to ask her as well. So a lot of stuff to talk about with Maureen O'Donnell. Did you have an update at all before I turn it over to Maureen? Before we leave here, we're going to announce our winners for our caption contest. But we do have some updates here as far as stories. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only friend the woe man Spielman. Chicago would declare the sale of legal weed, recreational cannabis as the grown-ups call it. Uh, Chicago would declare the sale of recreational cannabis off-limits in the Central Business District yeah. under rigid zoning rules proposed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot that a downtown alderman hopes to relax. Ben, you were weighing in on this yeah, earlier. Yeah, this is absurd and ridiculous, and uh, I talked about this earlier in the show. This notion that somehow or other we should exempt the loop from uh, cannabis shops or whatever we're going to call them, reefer shops, because somehow or other it would alienate or scare tourists. I'm not quite sure where Chicago's mentality is. Again, folks, the year is 2019. We're not in 1951. And I think we would want to sell marijuana to visitors from out of state. They would probably want to buy it and better them buying their reefer here and uh, spending tax dollars, raising tax dollars for our coffers that we need than what, buying it back home and bringing it on an airplane? So um, I think it's a foolish uh, ban, and I think we should get rid of, relax it. What do they call it? The exclusion zone? Is that what they call it, Dave? The exclusion zone? They're excluding the loop. Like I said, it's like policy from the 1950s. And one more update here. Uh it's already come and gone. Lollapalooza. Ben, I know you're bummed out about that. You loved Lollapalooza. By the way, what was your favorite act at Lollapalooza? Who was your favorite band there that performed? Um, my favorite uh, band? Yeah. Uh, my favorite band was the Beatles. Oh, I love the Beatles. Oh, really? Uh, yesterday. Okay. Oh, my sure. Tr- uh, so All right. Were the Beatles at Lollapalooza this year? No? <laughs> Organizers of the Lollapalooza Music Festival have received their largest bill in years oh, to restore yeah, Chicago's yeah. Grant Park after damages mm. caused by mm. last month's event. Media reports Lollapalooza received a $645,000 bill this year to clean up Grant Park. It's the highest amount incurred by the festival since 2011 when promoter C3 presents spent over $1 million to revive Grant Park. The four-day festival that year was bad 
battered by frequent storms. All right, listen, my attitude about Lollapalooza, if you guys are happy, God bless you, all right? And by the way, D, remember I was singing Lollapalooza's praise because I had to drive from one end of the north side to the other? Nobody yeah. was on the streets. I was like, God, can we have Lollapalooza every day? Everybody, everybody was there seeing the Beatles. <laughs> Yeah, right. They were seeing the Beatles, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Anyway, I love the Beatles very much, but um, uh, great great to see. $640,000. Hope the promoters pay the money and so it doesn't come out of our, uh, our, our taxes. All right, Maureen O'Donnell, let's talk about Pedro Bell. Uh, this obituary ran. I think I called you immediately or texted you immediately. Yes. It's already been a couple weeks, but uh, anyway, let's talk about Pedro Bell. Uh, who he is and why he's so important. Well, he really helped create the myth, uh, the, the artistic mythos of George Clinton and and Funkadelic. He was the artist who uh, created these really trippy, Afrofuturistic, uh, gorgeously painted uh, album covers. And I think it was George. Mr. Bell's biography on the website for George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic called him an urban Hieronymus Bosch, which I just love. And um, these were, you know, in the people would put this music on and study those album covers for signs and symbols. There was so much to look at. And, you know, sadly, he, you know, spent his last years in obscurity and ill health. He lost much of his vision, so he couldn't create his art anymore. He was in a nursing home in Chicago Ridge. And um, he passed away, and the kudos came in. Um, But the last 10 years of his life or so, um, he was in obscurity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so many of your obituaries that you write, uh, are about people who've led extraordinary lives, lives, but are not particularly well known by the mm-hmm. general public. So you're not the person that's going to write the obituary about a huge celebrity that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes you, though, sometimes yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but by and large, the stories that you tell are about people that are not widely known, even if they are significant. In this case, this gentleman was well known in his community of artists and, oh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah. people who love George Clinton and the Funkadelics. And, but he died, like, they extol him, Maureen, when he's gone, but... And yet he lived such a tough life those last 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard for me right, to, right. to wrestle with that. Yeah, it's that's uh, it's the human condition, right? That happens so often. Um, he was he was sui generis. Um, Tony Fitzpatrick, the great Chicago artist, said Pedro Bell was only like himself. And he said when he was a kid trying to figure out if he could make art a career, he inspired him. Um, Pedro was, went to Harper High School. Um, he he studied art at Bradley University and Roosevelt, and he got into, he broke into the Parliament, George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic world um, through um, sort of an underground radio station. He fell in love with the, the music, and he offered to start doing playbills for them, and he uh, contacted them through uh, WXFM, known as Triad, 70s underground radio station, and one thing led to another, and they liked what he did, and, and he started uh doing these album covers at a time when, you know, Sly and the Family Stones, uh, Sly was the chairman of the board of Funk. You know, he he begat people who begat people who begat Prince. And and this guy was in the thick of it all. Now, uh, when he did these great uh, pictures, and I I wish people could see this, 
uh, well, our viewers, uh, our YouTube viewers can barely see this, but these are the super cool uh, album covers. Was it just, he was just paid what? Like one one fee, it wasn't as though he was getting a percentage of every album sold, so he couldn't get rich from what he did. He we the Sun Times, Karis back from the Sun Times did an interview with him about a decade ago, and I dipped into it for the obituary. When I started seeing on Facebook that he'd passed, it triggered a memory. I remembered Kara's story, which I thought was so fascinating because she had found him at a at an SRO in Hyde Park. And he said at that time he did not get rich. You know, he didn't give the specifics, but like a lot of people in the music industry, he wasn't living off residuals and royalties, unfortunately. Uh, he still had his artwork around him, but, you know, not, not a big bank account. Here's a great portion from uh, the uh, obit. Even while uh, turning out cover art, Mr. Bell told us sometimes he still had to hold down jobs as a security guard mm -hmm. with the post office and at an auto parts manufacturer. Mm -hmm. He said his funktastic philosophy, and that's spelled F-U-N-K-T-A-S-T-I-C. <laughs> his funktastic philosophy came down to quote, well, this is sort of straight out of George Clinton, free your mind and the rest will follow. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're going down, you're still up. We believed where the funk was going to take us mm -hmm. uh and uh he still had a these like his mind was so rich and so creative mm -hmm. uh and yet there was no money in it for him and he was working it would be like the guy delivering your mail or something had this incredible genius that you didn't even know about. And those make the best obituaries to me these underground heroes these next door stars and he his work was included with uh, pieces by Andy Warhol and Ed Paschke in a 2007-2008 exhibit at the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago about, it was uh, called Sympathy for the Devil, Art and Rock and Roll since 1967. So he, he's with, he's got the high highs and the low lows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, Maureen O'Donnell's uh, obituaries, they got these little twists here that are not like, completely relevant uh, to like just the resume part of a person's life, but it fills out the story and which is why I think she's such a great writer. And this one has to do, uh, <laughs> despite his afflictions, his caregiver's nickname for him was Trouble. <laughs> he used to take cans of a nutritional beverage and toss them at the nursing stations. He would shake them up so they're good and fuzzy and toss them at the nursing station as you roll by. What a character. And it's straight from his brother, um, the Lakewood, Colorado artist, Milo Suru, who said they grew up in an artsy home. His father was a preacher, and Pedro said he was in inspired by his father's stories from the Bible. That helped, that and, and Godzilla helped inspire him. That. <laughs> Speaking of movies. Yeah, I was going to say, Godzilla, <laughs> what, what role did that play in it? Do you know? With Godzilla? What was it just? Just, you know, just, I, the think, look? I think you can kind of see some, some traces of Godzilla on some of those album covers. Uh, anyways, that's Pedro Bell. I urge everybody to check it out. Maybe we'll put it on our website, uh, a link to it. Uh, the Pedro Bell obituary from uh, August 30th. You got any other great hits that you oh, want to talk about? Yeah, I enjoyed doing an obituary recently on Millie Cronin, who's the mother of Ario Speedwagon frontman Kevin Cronin. And she used to play Rodgers and Hammerstein soundtracks in the house all the time. And Kevin, who's written some you know famous, famous rock and roll ballads, uh, Time for Me to Fly, uh, take it on the run. You know, he's uh, he's somebody who looms large on the Chicago classic rock um, pantheon. And he said his earliest musical education was listening to Rodgers and Hammerstein I thought that was in hilarious. their Oakland home. Yeah, <laughs> but she had a, she had 
a whole other life. This is a woman who, in another era, could have been a CEO. She raised about more than a million dollars for St. Linus Church in Oak Lawn just by organizing a theatrical event every year that drew 2,500 people. They had to they had to have uh, car parkers. Um, there was this was the event of the year at St. Linus, and it it helped um, collect enough money to build uh, an expansion for St. Linus. And you know in the baby boom era, classrooms were overflowing. I myself had 54 kids in my second grade class. One teacher, no aids. Get out of so, here. So, yeah. It, what, where were you going for that? 54 kids? Oh, there was another room at my school that had 57 second graders. What school was this? St. Bartholomew on the northwest side. So when St. Linus started, you know, busting at the seams, yeah. Millie Cronin figured out a way to um, build a, build an addition, expand. Um, that brought you know continuing enrollment, continuing families, and the church is still doing well today. And uh, but I think yeah, if she was if she was uh, uh, around today, she'd be um, you know at Kellogg or the University of Chicago getting her MBA. Well, that is a, uh, another theme in your stories. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you talk a lot about uh, women of that generation who were like in their 80s or 90s now, uh, and the limitations they faced just when they were coming out on the uh, coming out of what high school. Mm -hmm. uh, the limitations of what college they could go to, what careers they could go. Wait, but hold it! Before I let this one get away. 54, have you ever told this to me? 54 kids is a lot of kids in a classroom. That she was a very unhappy teacher. I can oh, tell you that. Oh my God, how could she keep? And who can blame her? How could you keep any order with 54 oh, kids? Oh, she kept order. Those rambunctious kids in, in that those class. days. In those days, you could do things <laughs> you can't do today. Right. Whip, get that whip out. But um, <laughs> but there was there was this really sweet story about Millie. Um, Kevin's songs were included in Rock of Ages uh, when it, uh, the the musical, and when it was on Broadway, she and her husband went to see it. And after the audience, after the uh, show was over, the house was empty. She and her husband, who were beautiful singers, went out on stage and sang together. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, Kevin said they could say they sang on Broadway. That is a sweet thing. And mm -hmm. Kevin, did they have a, could they appreciate his music, even though they're from old school? You know. Like oh, yeah. I think she was crazy about all her kids and a, their biggest booster. And yeah, she loved what the, all, they all did. And how yeah. do you, okay, I always ask you this question, and uh, it's always about the first one I asked. I should have asked it about uh, Pedro. How did you find out about uh, uh, Kevin Cronin's mom and, and Pedro Bell? How did you find out? How, what led you to their obituaries? Uh, Pedro, in the case of Pedro Bell, I started to see chatter on Facebook. And in the case of Millie Cronin, I got a call from a relative who said, this is somebody who's worth writing about. And there's a whole story beyond her being Kevin Cronin's mother, that she was the mastermind between this plan to expand and maybe save St. Linus. Yeah. yeah. And this is something else that I think we should get out there. Uh, if folks want to uh, have you consider writing an obituary to someone they love who's not well-known, mm -hmm. What, how do they go about doing that? You can email me. My first initial last name, M is in Michigan, O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L -L at suntimes.com. Or you can call. Uh, my direct line is 321-2550, area code 312. And do you have to let people down sometimes and say, I'm not going to write the obituary? Well, we do get a lot of requests. Yeah. Um, but um, I listen to every pitch, you know, and try to, try to, uh, to, to, 
you know, make a good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got another one? You have another greatest hits there, it looks like. Let's see. Well, there was Marvin Hecht, who owned Cut Rate Toys. It was at Devon and Western, and in, in more recent years, Devon and Central. And um, I, I still remember this great headline from the 80s when the Cabbage Patch Dolls craze was going on. I think it was a Pennsylvania newspaper that had the most fabulous headline as parents were beating each other up in toy aisles to get that Cabbage Patch doll for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And that headline was Volley of the Dolls. So I said that Marvin Heck survived the Cabbage Patch doll craze, Tiff's over Tickle Me Elmo, and Happy Holidays Barbie Hysteria. Um, And the Ninja Turtles, he said, oh, honest to God, those Ninja Turtles, it puzzles me, but every week we run out. Uh, so he was, he was, before there were a lot of big box stores, he had a very successful toy store that gave you great prices, deep discounts. Mm-hmm. His brilliance was that he'd buy up closeouts. He made, he had relationships with Mattel and Hasbro, and they would say, look, you know, this ho- Happy Holidays Barbie isn't selling. We'll give you 500 of them, you know, we'll give you a good price. And oftentimes, Marvin's store was the only one that had, um, you know, a big selection. And he also had, oh, collected vintage cars and his 1950 it was a it's a car i'm not familiar with i I like muscle cars but it was a 1950 dodge i think metal lark meadowbrook anyway that car um uh, somebody liked it so much that it got cast in the matt dillon movie the big town which was filmed here i never saw the big town did you see the big town no i didn't but you know it had to be you know a decent film with matt dillon and he um they liked marvin's look so much that they hired him to be matt dillon's uh chauffeur or cabbie and he said don't ask me what he was like all he all he did and during our 40 takes was jump in and say studebaker hotel (laughs) (laughs) hey man he made it to the big screen uh and uh yeah matt dillon man i remember matt dillon back in the 80s 80s actors in my mind all right now let's just switch before we go uh, to movies mm-hmm. uh maria a huge movie fan addition to a great uh, uh feature writer obituary mm-hmm. writer you got any uh, movies that you actually seen i'm always teasing you you don't get out enough to see the movies you haven't really been uh, following the movies that closely since the 70s 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. uh what about recently have you seen anything you want to recommend i did i got out i got out for an early screening of downton abbey uh, I, I zipped over to um, a theater in Northbrook that had sort of a sneak preview, and uh, it was very satisfying. As a Downton Abbey fan, um, it was very satisfying. The the usual gorgeous clothes, gorgeous hats, the dowager Maggie Smith getting singers in throughout the film. Um, they it, it, all of the you know uh, wonderful characters were there, including the dog. Um, there was one thing I. I just thought doesn't always ring true to me. And that's uh, the way that Tom Branson, this Irish nationalist, is welcomed into this um, very straight-laced British family that's part of the establishment. That didn't always, that hasn't always rung true to me, but the actor who plays Tom Branson does a good job of uh, conveying uh, the way he blends in. Well, I gotta tell you, Maureen, I have a confession to make. I'll make this confession to you. Uh, I've never watched any of this stuff and for the longest time i thought it was downtown abbey mm-hmm. i just thought it was downtown yeah. abbey i got the dyslexia anyway i put a yeah. w in there somewhere to call yeah. it down and then i just i've seen the preview to this movie mm-hmm. so many times and then i said wait a minute it's not downtown i've been yeah. misdoing all these. and it's not it's not you know it they it's not just uh you know clothes and and costumes and 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 uh, viennese waltzes you know they work in the, the 
sinking of the Titanic. They work in um, World War One. They work in um, flu epidemics or, you know, uh, the, the dangers of childbirth in that era. So uh, the class system. Um, so there's there's it's got a lot of layers. Men like it, too. I also saw Aquaman on a recent plane ride and I was watching it. Um, it's 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 good fun. You know, it's cheesy CGI. Good fun. Yeah. And Jason Momoa is having the time of his life. He's got good comic timing. Uh, but the coolest little thing for me as a movie fan was that Aquaman's father is, I recognized him as this fantastic uh, actor. Um, he played Jake the Muss, which is sort of a brand, brooding Brando-like character in a movie called Once Were Warriors. It's a classic yeah. New Zealand movie. Uh, it's about um, the dysfunction in a particular Maori family. And Jake the Muss was just Bloated on screen. The actor's called, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Tamuro Morrison. But I read an interview with Momoa, and he was totally fanboying over being in a movie with Tamora Morrison. He couldn't believe he was in this film uh, with this man, um, uh, you know, this legend of New Zealand cinema as his dad. Uh And there's even a line in Aquaman where Aquaman's dad says, I was going to fix you a plate of eggs. And that's, that's a little Easter egg. That's a reference to Once Were Warriors, which, by the way, uh, one of my relatives says, best bar fights I've ever seen. I'm going to have to watch. I wrote that down once. I've not seen Brutal bar fights. It's a movie I'm glad I saw, but I never want to see it again. You know, one of those. Is it a violent movie? Very violent. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's fantastic. It's it's bristling with energy. And um, I saw the new, well, it's not so new anymore. I saw Men in Black on the other leg of the flight (laughs) with Chris Helmsworth and Tessa Thompson. Yeah, that's not new. Those commercials were during the NBA finals back in June. uh, I I know, but I love the little Easter eggs. There was a cute little joke involving a hammer. You know, Thor, Chris Helmsworth. Uh-huh. Thor. That 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 made me laugh out loud. All the other passengers on the plane were looking at me. And then, so how was it? What was you were talking about? Uh, you, did you see a remake or uh, a new print of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey? Weren't you? Well, about tonight uh, it's airing at the Pickwick Theater, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. The star astronaut Kier Delay is still alive. He's 83 years old, and he's going to be taking questions at 7 p.m. at the Pickwick, and then they're going to screen the film. And I showed it. I saw it several times when I was younger, and then I showed it to my child, who was born in the 90s, and. It really drove home to me um, how speeded up our world is now. When I saw 2001 in the 70s, uh, I didn't think it was slow moving, um, but there there are scenes that can go on for three minutes just with a female space traveler walking down a rug. And, you know, we're so used to hyperkinetic um, cuts and montages and edits now that it did move kind of slowly for me, even though it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a landmark of cinema. And, um, I always found it very, very touching, um, when Kier DeLay starts to deactivate Hal, the computer. And I think the Tribune interviewed him and he talked about what he was thinking of when he was doing that, when Hal starts to sing Daisy. And it, it, he gave you the inspiration for what made him seem sad. And that was, that was beautiful to me. That's, that's the moment that I'm touched mm-hmm. in that movie. And I'm not always touched in 
Kubrick films, as you know. Yeah, no, we had that conversation mm-hmm. uh, about The Shining. I, uh, uh, it's funny you should. I, I didn't know his name was pronounced Kier Dule. I thought it was Duella, but what do I know? Well, uh, my, my, me and my girlfriends in the '60s who thought he was cute called him Kier yeah. Dule. We could it, it imprinted Ooh. Ben. It yeah. may not be correct. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, he was an actor that's pretty much been forgotten to time. Uh, and then by chance, uh, this is one of those stories. A friend of my wife said, oh, "You should go see, watch." This go rent this movie from the 60s called Bunny Lake is Missing, mm. which I had never seen, an Otto Preminger movie. And so mm. we rented it from Netflix, you know, the, in the mail Netflix, the old school Netflix, simply to see how, how credible my friend's tastes were, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so good kudos to her. It was a great flick. Mm. Uh, but I'll see it. That, yeah, yeah. I, I, definitely worth watching. It's it's not, it's, it's like uh, Preminger trying to do Hitchcock, not quite as good as Hitchcock, mm-hmm. but coming pretty close uh as good enough for me yeah it's good enough and uh uh it's just well i'm like oh my god that's the dude the astronaut from uh 2001 a space odyssey yeah i think he was in the pit and the pendulum one of those great you know 60s horror films out of london and he um yeah yeah he's He's been around, yeah. Maureen O'Donnell, huge horror film fan. We're going to have to do a whole special show on horror films. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, got, I've got one sentence for you. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's the it's the title of a, of a Persian-themed vampire film. Oh. It's fabulous. Scary? Dread and menace. Not a lot of gore. Well, that is, uh, <laughs> I just got finished watching. And skateboards, too. Uh, I just wrote it down. I can get that from the looks like Girl Walks. My wife likes horror films, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got finished watching uh, Mindhunters, which is the Netflix series, and I was so freaked out. I think I was going to take a break from really. Um, it was scary. It, it it's 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 not that it's scary. It's so weird and eerie and twisted and demented. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes into the minds of serial killers. Uh, it's not a place I really want to be in Bondi, the mind of a serial. Yeah. yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, so I don't. I'm not really recommending it to people. But I have to say, I was talking to Dennis all every day. I'd come back every day. I'd go home and watch at least two episodes really? of it until we finished it. Yeah, Jonathan Groff's in it. And he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, he plays mm-hmm. uh, the FBI agent. Maureen mm-hmm. uh, O'Donnell's her name and. And she's an obituary writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. She drops in, oh, I don't know, once a month or so to talk about the great stories she's written. And she still hasn't gotten around to seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, that's on your assignment list of I things. I think I have go. to see it. I've heard from enough people it's worth seeing. you got to see yeah. it. Oh I my like God. Marco Robbie, even though I don't think he gave her much dialogue. Oh, my God. Here we go with this again. <laughs> she hasn't seen the movie, but she's got an opinion about it. Uh, Maureen O'Donnell, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate all the work you do. Uh, outstanding. Thank you, Ben. Good to uh, be here. Obituary writer. And I want to thank Sergio Vicente, outstanding job from the Fight Podcast, and Monroe Anderson for being on the show earlier. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, announce our caption contest that is winners. correct. We are excited about this caption contest. All right, we're having a Lori Lightfoot caption contest, everybody. Big thank you to everyone who left us your captions on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. Uh, when we hit the next 100, we'll have our next caption contest. Let's find out who won. Once again, the picture posted on our page is our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She's sitting next to the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump. All right, that was the picture. Once again, Shout out to everyone who sent their uh, captions. They're all hilarious. We had to narrow it down to three, and we've done it. So let's go ahead and find out our third place caption. It's time for number three. Number three. All right. Our number three (laughs) caption. It is a doozy, and it comes from a gentleman by the name 
of Ed. Ed's third place caption. Does your dad... Oh, this is Lori Lightfoot talking to Ivanka, by the way. Does your dad still know those Russian loan sharks? Uh, I have a city... Or uh, a friend who might need to borrow about $800 million. I like that one, yeah. That is a very good, a good one. one. yeah. All right, so, Ed, congratulations. Uh, you, you win nothing. We have no prizes, but, Wait, boy, I, we I appreciate it. I thought you gave him $100. Oh, so. yeah, okay. Can you give me $100, Ed? That, I think it worked out for me a little more. All right, time for number two. Number two. Our number two caption contest winner comes from a gentleman by the name of Hank. Okay. Hank's caption. This is Lori Lightfoot talking to Ivanka. Your dad should try using TIFFs. Nobody will figure it out. I remember that one, too. Give that guy $500. Okay, right? sure, sure. <laughs> Let's find out number three. Number three. Oh, wait, no, this oh, is number, number one. Oh, I'm sorry. Number oh, one. Come on, man. Several <laughs> hats. One. Several hats on the <laughs> Guys, I get the door for guests. I do the audio, write the news. I get a little uh, flustered from time to time. All right, time for number one. It comes from Paul. Oh, Paul, okay. Paul's caption, Ivanka, blink twice if you need me to repeat any of this. (laughs) Paul, uh, a check from Dennis for $10,000 is in the mail right now. (laughs) Yeah, that check will bounce like a basketball. So there you are, our Uh, (laughs) caption contest winners. Congratulations. you win this. Hey, you're awesome. <laughs> well, Maureen O'Donnell says uh, she's going to send you a check for $10,000. Oh, so <laughs> That'll get her back on the show. <laughs> I don't think that check's going to come anytime soon. All right. Well, it's a good job. I remember Paul's, uh, all three of them, I remember them. Um, they're pretty funny. That tip one, uh, I pr- uh, particularly appreciate it. All right. Excellent job, doctor. As I was saying, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. Bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, or wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Hey, live streamers, you know we uh, or downloaders, you know we live stream this show, right? Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Once again, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and we're now on Facebook. That's right. We Facebook video live stream at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. And hey, while you're at that uh, Facebook page, give us a like, follow, share, review, whatever you want to do. We'll see you tomorrow.